Welcome to Bygones, the Animate Beal Rewatch Podcast. I'm Laura Jane Parker. And I'm Eleanor Parker. And we rewatch every episode of Animate Beal through 2022 eyes. Yes. And we do. welcome, Eleanor. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> 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 welcome, Laura Jane. <laughs> welcome, Eleanor. How are you? I'm good. <laughs> How are you, Laura Jane? Welcome, welcome. I'm fine now that I haven't got a frog in my throat. Um, yeah, no, I'm good, I'm good. I, I've had some headachey type migraine issues, uh, as we've discussed this afternoon, yes. but feeling better, feeling, feeling better, better ready, to, ready to kick back, relax and get away. <laughs> <laughs> and who's our travel buddy for this episode, Eleanor? Would you like to introduce uh, them? road trip navigator today is um liam dempsey my husband uh, one one of the husbands of the pod one of the many husbands sound like we're in some sort of polygamous <laughs> situation Who, one of us have got several husbands what goes on <laughs> yes no, one husband nice to be back hi <laughs> Who are you saying hi to? Me? Yeah, well, both, <laughs> both of you. I mean, like, literally, this is an audio medium and the listeners yes. as well. Yeah, yeah, I guess he's saying hi yeah, to hi. the listeners. Hi. Here too. How are you, Liam? Do you want to remind people where they know you from or may not know you from? Well, I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast uh, before now, then you may have heard me on previous episodes. Uh, I, I've basically been on for one episode per season uh thus you far um recurring guest the, star. the season one episode i i can't particularly remember but i remember that <laughs> ali drunk uh some coffee in a weirdly sexual way oh yeah, uh, oh, yeah that one i remember that season yeah that was a good one was on four was the first one with barry white in it oh, yeah and yes. the third season episode i was on for was the boy next door which was the last one of billy dying billy, oh, the death iconic of yeah billy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, where I stepped in to defend his honour, uh, <laughs> stop you from dancing all over his grave. And now, and so this, again, now I'm back for another episode of Lads, Lads, Lads. <laughs> yeah, lads it is tour. Lads, Lads, Lads. Eleanor, do you want to tell us uh, what episode we're doing uh, yes. this week? And then we can get into some, uh, you know, weekly meeting business. Yes. So uh, this week we are going to be discussing episode 16 of season four, The Getaway. Um, mm. Yes. So. That's the, this, is, this is just a little teaser before we do everything else. Um, the Getaway is, I guess, the vacation episode of the entire series. Like it's uh, one of those, you know, like it's one of those TV tropes, isn't it? Where they... It's um, like when friends take, go to London or something. Like, or Las Vegas or, yeah, yeah like somewhere. Like but this is, I think, I think this is the only time they do it on Ali Whitfield yes, though, isn't it, from I memory? Think so. I don't think they do this again. Um, and it's quite funny because I really kind of vividly remember this one yeah. um, from originally watching it as being, I remember it as being really fun. Yeah. So I was kind of really looking forward to this yes. as a milestone. No, I'm Your right and we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get into it, but maybe, you know, we should never have come here again. <laughs> like we shouldn't have revisited because it was probably better in my memory. Well, that's it. I think I had very similar memories of it 
But obviously, as we've watched the show, it's like, oh, God, like, John and Richard are, like, the gruesome twosome. Yeah. So as we've gone closer Why? to this episode, I'm like, I don't think this is going to be as fun as I remember it being. Well, I think, yeah. I think this so. gave us a vision of what a John and Richard spin-off would be like, wouldn't it? Because yeah. it's full-on new, yeah. new title sequence yeah. with loads of John and Richard bits. And we'll like, it was, we'll get into that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like Miami Twice or the Jolly Boys outing from... Uh, <laughs> Only horses. <laughs> it was. Oh my god. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. But before we get into all of that, yes. we've got a couple of items of, I guess, news. if we were Richard and having, uh, if we were employees at Cajun Fish, this would be the weekly meeting. Yeah. So we want to go through some things. So Eleanor, will you call us to order and tell us what the first item on order, the agenda order, is? Order in the uh, room. Um, <laughs> we are so the first item on the agenda is the news that they are actually going to do an Ali McBeal reboot. What well, in, in development? It's in development. Develop. It's in. De- I thought it was like confirmed. Uh, I, I, I don't. I, well, I, I, no. I don't believe so. I believe oh, it's okay. in development. No, they they they've released details of how it's gonna. So it's uh, from. I mean, I haven't got the details in front of me, which makes me a terrible podcast. Yeah, host, let me but, just um, get the what, tweet. What I'm thinking, but I from what I remember reading about it, um, it's gonna be a like a Renee Raddick daughter is meant to be like the lead character yeah, in this reboot which like actually that. i think is a really nice idea because you know presumably she's going to be a woman of color front and center yes. brilliant a lot of what the original show was lacking yes um so no more like sidelined black best friend situation um and we know that Callista is keen or is rumored to kind of be back <laughs> be willing to come back in, in like some form or another in in the show as well yeah be a presence so what it says here on the deadline um article is that let me just early development is it's it in early development at abc uh written and executive produced by karen gist is that how you pronounce her name i don't know or his name jizz jizz no like no. that's the gist. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, Not yeah, the fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably preferable, but it's not that. Um, so the apparently the idea is that it, the new show will follow a young black woman who joins the law firm from the original series or its current incarnation, straight out of law school. Yeah, like you mm. say, uh, similar setup to the beginning, just Renee. With... Yeah. Um, Flockhart has been approached to reprise her title role from the original in some capacity and to executive produce the follow-up. A decision on her potential involvement likely won't be made until the script has been written. So there's a lot of um, buzz around Animate Bill. I tell you, like my Google alert for Animate Bill has never been so busy since we started the podcast. Because not only um, has that happened, but also um, She-Hulk, the new Marvel series. There's a lot of chatter around that being like inspired by or owing some kind of debt to Animate Bill. And they even have apparently in one of the scenes, I've not watched it yet, but it is on the list. Um, they have Annie McBeal playing in a bar that I think they added in post-production because the writers, I think, are too young to really have that as an influence. But I think as they were kind of editing and putting it together, it became clear that 
maybe to some older members of the team that actually Ali McBeal was a real reference point. So let's pop that in post-production as a little nod, you know. So oh, that's interesting. I was like, Ali McBeal's really, you know, <laughs> finally <laughs> getting right. talked about <laughs> <Thank> again. <you. laughs> well, funnily enough, we literally just watched the second episode of She-Hulk before mm. we came onto this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, there you it's go. It's great. It's really, it is, really good. Yeah, if anyone like, yeah, I really want to watch it. A cool, like, new TV show that yeah it's marvel and actually feels like a tv show rather than like you said like a movie split, a up, movie into split up into parts like it yeah it does feel like television but in like a really good way um yeah and uh yeah it is fun it's a lot of fun yeah. so do recommend great that. Perfect. But yeah, no, interesting. So yeah. Something to keep. It is interesting. Twenty twenty two eyeballs on. <laughs> I will keep my twenty twenty two eyeballs on it because you know I, I think it was one of our season one a mailbag episodes. We were asked who we would cast in a reboot and whether there should be a reboot, and I think we were both like, there just shouldn't be one. <laughs> yeah, <we're> like, <laughs> but I actually think that this this like take on it with Renee's daughter, I think that's a really nice idea yeah i think that's great yeah 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 i mean i think it sounds like they're going full legacy call with it if it's renee's daughter and calissa's gonna reprise her role as ali Mm. as presumably like the mentor so she'll be the rocky balboa Maybe she'll be running the firm. Maybe she'll be running it. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, if this this episode's anything to go by, (laughs) I don't think that's a good idea. Maybe Richard and John are retired or in the ground. Died. Died, hopefully. She's now running. It's now McBeal and McBeal. They're kicking it with Billy in the, like, man baby club in the sky. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, which characters would you like to see actually return? Elaine. Now? Elaine. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, Elaine could Elaine. Date, Yeah, Absolutely. Elaine. Georgia. 100%. Georgia. Uh, yeah, Georgia. Bring back justice for Georgia. Yeah. I mean, Renee, certainly. <laughs> yes, if it's meant to be her yes. fucking daughter, yes. she should yes. turn up. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I would see Lucy Lou. I'd see. Yeah, like, Lucy Lou. Um, Always good to see Lucy Lou. I'd, I'd see. Uh, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Vonda do some kind of like cameo in a bar, in a bar. scene. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just not really referenced as yeah, the years just... or them being like, oh, who's this old lady in the yeah. corner? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's Vonda. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Use the theme tune and that's it. Uh, yeah. I mean, you ain't never getting RDJ back. Oh, no, like, bad so, time. Yeah, you know, but that, yeah, but there's a there's a few people I think yeah. You could potentially, yeah, potentially bring yeah. back, yeah, definitely, um, yeah. But yeah, the the other thing uh, I was gonna say is last time between the last time we recorded and today, really sadly, and Hesh died. Um, who yeah. played Melanie. Melanie. Who was a really, and just like completely coincidentally was the last time Melanie was in the show, was the last episode we recorded. Um, yeah. And it was just, yeah, absolutely terribly sad news. So tragic. And really upsetting for, you know, not only Anne Hesh and her family, but obviously because of the nature of how it happened, like it, other people were impacted and it, it just, yeah, just terribly, terribly tragic and to what was quite a difficult life by the sounds of it. I think 
Yeah, I just wanted to shout out to she actually wrote a book not long after she finished on Ali McBeal, which is a auto like a memoir, autobiography of sorts called Call Me Crazy. And I remember I, I haven't actually read it, but I no. really want to. And I've I've actually always really wanted to. It's not the first time I've found out that, that she wrote this, but I've always known from reading about that book and her life um that she's had like this really troubled like childhood and Ooh. adolescence um and that must have been so difficult to to navigate as you grow up Ooh. and then I think that's kind of she never really got away from those demons I suppose in her adult life Ooh. um and you know you know it's just very sad the way things ended up really yeah um but I will say like I she her role in Ali McBeal and we said it last episode when we were sort of wrapping up the character of of Melanie like I think she was so good in this show she just had like such uh empathy for the character and that just came across like it's so easy to play a character and it you know you can talk about the problematic nature of people who don't have disorders playing people with disorders Mm, but mm. at the time it was very commonplace and because of that I kind of think you have to look at it in the context of the time in which she did it but it would be so easy to play a a character with Tourette's as like gimmicky or like for laughs and she did sometimes but it was always with heart yes like it was always with empathy for the condition and she was just such a sweet character and yes. you could really tell she had amazing chemistry with um John yeah. McNichol um and you know her whole character arc was has been a real like I would say we've not really talked about season four so far even though we're over halfway through now I think so it's probably a good moment to reflect on it but I feel like season four has had loads of good stuff going for it mm. um but some shit stuff as well that hasn't been so good. Mm. Um, but hers has been a real highlight. Like yeah. her well, I think character she's arc has been a, so like, nice. Uh, like sparkly energy to her. Like I think that's the kind of thing she imbued Melanie with was this real yes. like sparkle to her. She always had yeah. this twinkle in her eye. And I think that's yes. what made you love her very quickly um yeah as a character and uh, yeah just sad very sad, sad to hear and to like a talented you know woman like um yeah yeah it sounds like yeah. she had a very sad life at the end of the day and like you know she's definitely an actress that got saddled with the difficult woman kind of trope um mm, 100%. By a lot of people in the industry and you know definitely because she's an actually been around for a long time and really she probably hit her kind of career peak zenith in like 1998 when she's doing the yeah. kind of psycho remake six days and seven nights of yeah, yeah. Ford. that's probably when she was yeah. at her biggest uh celeb status and you know and then she sort of disappeared because she's been around for a long time i remember hearing uh that said about her and you know yeah just completely kind of took it at face value was just like yeah uh, you know I expect she is difficult and everything like that and you know don't get me wrong I think definitely I mean even if you look at kind of you know unfortunately how she passed away there's kind of you know a a lot of difficult stuff involved in that and obviously you know um, kind of literally unfortunately during her death obviously she kind of destroyed these people's property as well and everything Mm. like that so she always had I think a difficult time 
but when you actually look at her history of what she suffered and everything like that, you, you know, you can't feel anything but empathy and sympathy for kind of, you know, the life she didn't completely understand why she may have kind of faced those issues with things like drugs and stuff like that. Um, one thing mm-hmm. I'd like to do is really recommend a little Anne Hesh tribute watch. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. The film Catfight, uh, which is probably quite underseen, little kind of low-budget indie with her and Sandra Oh. Oh, yes, it's, that is a great yeah, film. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really good. a sort of uh, near-future satire. I've not seen it. It's good fun. When I definitely recommend from? it. When was that? About made? 2016, I think. And basically, uh, Sandra O oh and Anne Hesh play lifetime rivals who keep running into each other at different points in their lives yes. and end up having a proper physical, physical fight, fight. <laughs> uh, actual physical, vicious, bloody cat fight. Uh, which ends with one of them in a coma and then they come out of it years later uh, to find their kind of life destroyed as a result and then they seek revenge oh, against it's the other one. It's just, it's a black comedy. Yes, just it's very, black comedy satire. <laughs> it's really funny and fun and just like, uh, And yeah. they're both very good And they're good both in great Hesh in it. And uh, so, yeah, just two great actresses given like really unusual Brilliant. material and and it, it is a lot of fun to watch so yeah, yeah. late career highlight from hash definitely. yeah definitely definitely cool. i think it's on netflix so the getaway um first aired on the 19th of march 2001 we interrupt this program for eleanor's cultural stuff brought to you by the naughties the other decade more problematic than it looks. Um, hooray! Hooray! So, um, the US number one is still Joe and stuff. Of course it is. <laughs> you know the old Joe. friend Joe. No, no I, I've heard, I heard your discussion on a previous episode about this and I don't know if this is even. Thank you. <laughs> Like, I mean, well, I, he wasn't very big in the UK, I don't think, but he was very big in the US. Okay. Most US listeners will have heard of Joe. So, I think. the UK number one is is a new is a new number one when we we've, we've said what? goodbye to. Atomic Are you kidding Kitten. me? I thought Atomic Kitten was going to be there until you know uh, Christmas. Like, no, so I'll give you oh. the uh, the artist. It's okay. Westlife. Oh my god! I hate when you say that <laughs> because they all blur life. into one. <laughs> they all blur into one. Two thousand and one. This Fuck is me. a standout, I'd say. Yeah, is it? It's, it's a what date. It's, is it again? It's a cover. It's a cover. As, as a clue. That's why. What's the date again? It's What's the date? Nineteenth of March. Two thousand and one. Oh, it's it's Uptown Girl. Yeah, well done. Uh, yes, comic relief. because it's comic relief. Yeah, yeah. I knew they'd done comic relief that year, so I just didn't know if it was the dates matched up. Yes, yeah, well done. There you go. That's some good. That's some good uh, detecting there. Fun music video With, uh, as well. Claudia Schiffer in the yeah, music video. Yeah, and yeah. Who else was in? Oh, there? loads of people. There's Tim McKinnery. Yes. Yeah, I think Robert Bathurst um, yes, maybe. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's a yeah. Kind of whole table of like posh guys posh who have like yeah. cigars yeah. and then like, like yeah. downtown man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're the downtown man, yeah. and we're gonna get your uptown supermodel girl. Yes. 
yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's a good video. Uh, yeah, it's good fun. Um, yeah, so who else is in that? It's... Uh, I mean, Tim McKinnery and Robert Baffert are the two I can think of. I feel like there's I someone think else. It's, I think they're all like quite famous. No, Colin Firth isn't in it, is he? Like, oh, no, like, not that sort of thing that he might like, be I mean, in it. No, it's, it's comic like relief, so it's, it's possible. You Uptown might be able to get Firth. Girl. Uptown Girl video. <laughs> no, don't watch it. No, don't watch it. <laughs> Just literally look on the wiki page, it will tell you. What the hell are you thinking? Yeah, IMDB page, it will say. I'm just looking. Yeah, there you go. It's, and I was like, no, I want to watch it. IMDB, so you'll be able to oh, see okay. the cast list. Robert Bathurst, Crispin Bonham... Something. Oh, Kristen Bonham Carter. Oh, Helen Bonham Carter's. Oh, you and Griffith. Ian Grufford. You and Griffith. The original Mr. Fantastic. James Wilby. Who's he? Don't know. Tim McKinnery, as you say. Okay, I, I think I, I thought... just knew Tim McKinnery because I love him from Blackadder. That's why. Yeah. See, I, I, I guess I thought there was someone else who wasn't Blackadder or Cold Feet. Well, Owen Grufford is famous. Like, yeah, uh, I yeah. don't know him from anything. Well, like, yeah, he, he was... was, and he was quite famous at that time, wasn't he? Because he'd done he like he's he fucking thing? Mr. Fantastic in two Fantastic oh, Four the... films. Oh, no one watched those. Like, I think, you know, <laughs> like literally. I mean, enough people watch the first one for them to make a fucking sequel. Oh, uh, yeah. anyway, so yeah, okay, I mean, right. they're not great, but I mean, he was, <laughs> like, admittedly, it, they're I mean, terrible. He, but... he was the fucking lead in a ma- in two major blockbusters. <laughs> like, but wasn't he in like hornblower as well yes, like that was yeah, really yeah, big at the time yes, I yeah mean, it was something like that i yeah. yes yes he was also fifth officer low in titanic oh <laughs> hey, he's in titanic yes okay. uh, like very very minor character I think he might but be yeah. in horrible bosses maybe I think in a small, uh, like, funny role. Like, I think he plays, like, a male uh, sex worker, maybe. Uh, in, like, a jokey cover on okay. Horrible Bosses, I think. Okay. Ooh. Sorry, I was just... Um, yeah, I was just <laughs> looking to see if I could see... I can't see that. He wasn't Unreal, that TV show that I loved a few years back. But, Unreal? Yeah. Um, Unreal was about um, reality TV. Um, it was, like, a... A drama series pretending to be it was essentially like showing the behind the scenes of making something like The Bachelor except it wasn't called The Bachelor because it was fictitious but it was written by people that used to work on The Bachelor so a lot of it was like grounded in somewhat truth yeah Um, yeah although it was obviously far more uh you know dramatic than reality yes but yeah okay so moving on 17th of March, the controversial horror film The Exorcist is shown on British television for the first time when it's screened by Channel 4. Yeah, because it was banned for several years, wasn't it? It was banished. I think that was the first time I watched it because I remember there being a big publicity thing on Channel 4. Yeah, Channel 4. Channel 4 4 to watch it. And I was of that age. What's the... 2001, so I would have been 16. So, yeah... 15, 16. So I would have been like, yeah, I'm old enough to watch this now. I'm cool. I watch horror films late at night on Channel 4. I I, I remember thinking it wasn't as scary as I was expecting it to be, but I'm not often scared by like ghosts 
type stories to See, be honest. I, I so, am, yeah. that is usually the thing that does scare me but I wasn't particularly scared by The Exorcist I think it was slightly too like old-fashioned and its effects and things yeah. for me to find yeah. it scary I think it's I mean The Exorcist I think like the best horror movies is more disturbing than scary. Mm. Like in terms mm. of, yeah, yeah, I think I think mm. maybe I was too almost like too young to find it disturbing. Yeah, I definitely you know think I mean? it's disturbing. Yeah, I know what you mean. Especially yeah. if you're. I mean, I rewatched it recently because uh, I, I think cause me and you, LJ, are like the same age, basically. Uh, so I think I might have watched it on this first screening as well because this was this amazing like two year period where the old head of the BBFC stepped down and suddenly, as soon as he was gone, as soon as he'd left on his last day, <laughs> they literally were like, right, let's unban everything that this old fuck ever banned. <laughs> like, I mean, literally, and suddenly all the films that had been banned for years were suddenly came out. So The Exorcist, Straw Dogs, all these kind of movies that have been banned for like so two Texas decades. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They're all around oh, yeah. that time when yeah, yeah, suddenly yeah, yeah, yeah. they were released I remember watching the that around that time yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, The Exorcist was one of them, so I would have seen it there, but I rewatched it recently on Blu-ray and on Blu-ray on the 4K TV with surround sound, like, you know, you get the full effect Ooh. of William Freakin's vision. Maybe and it I is, should rewatch it. It's definitely 100% disturbing. It's an excellent film. Like, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. I should rewatch it. Add that to the Ooh. Halloween Halloween, list. Halloween list. <laughs> and hot tea. Oh, yeah, we need to make our Halloween watch this thing. It's coming up, <laughs> isn't it? And we're not the only ones. <laughs> Gotta get some. Yeah, we try. What when we were young, we used to do like one horror movie, one horror movie every night in October. But since we since we've got older and more tired, it's been like one a weekend for the October. So yeah, yeah. we we just sort of yeah in the spooky season, just like yeah, we'll just watch. We'll just yeah, have yeah, a definitely. general same with, same with yeah Christmas. over the weekends and evenings yeah. sort of. And hot tip, if you've already seen The Exorcist too many times, check out The Exorcist 3. Exorcist 3, the third film, is really good. Oh, which really? is Yeah, it's William Peter Blatty directed, who wrote the script for the first film, and also the novel on which it's based. Oh. And he came back and wrote and directed the third film, and that's really good. Oh, okay. So there oh, you go. There you go. Skip yeah. two, go straight to three. Yeah. Do not pass yeah, those. Do not collect two hundred pounds. Don't worry yeah. about yeah. that one. <laughs> okay. So the only other thing on a more serious note, trigger warning for sexual assault on this next segment. Um, the only other thing I have is eighteenth of March. Um, Claire Marsh, aged eighteen becomes the youngest uh-huh. woman in Britain to be convicted of rape after pinning down a woman who was raped by a pair of teenagers in West London. She is sentenced to seven years in prison while her accomplices aged 15 and 18 are jailed for five years. Well, it's, they, they were jailed for less time than her. Yeah, I guess because she was... Older? Well, one of them's one eighteen, of them's the and she's age, eighteen. Isn't they? I mean, he's yeah, one was fifteen, so I can get that. But yeah, that's pretty. Crazy. I think I would like to uh, dispute the exact charges she would have been charged under, not the sentence necessarily, because I remember being taught in my law degree, which would have been after this, mm. that you cannot, as a woman, 
be convicted of rape yeah, because the I definition of rape in the UK is a person commits an offence if he intentionally penetrates the vagina, anus or mouth with his penis. Yeah, which... Uh, Where, without consent, obviously, yeah, is the other well, part well, of that. I, uh, that's the thing, is I'm quite, that's what I thought, but this is what... That is the case. So you can't, I don't know how, I, I wonder whether they've just used shorthand for rape and actually it's like very severe sexual assault. What's her name? Claire Marsh. And this was the 18th Claire. of March, 2001. Hmm. I don't understand this. Because you're right, that's how it was reported that she was found guilty of rape. But I don't understand how that... Maybe they changed that law because that is like, sounds like an incredibly well, no, because I, law. I studied... No, but I studied law and learnt that oh. three years after this happened, which is why I'm confused. Yeah. They were using an old textbook. <laughs> no, no, no. You have to buy, like, brand new textbooks every time you start a law degree because it changes all the time, obviously. Um, so, yeah, that's why is doing much... law is so bloody expensive. Is there any... Get on Google's. I'm going to look into that. I need to look into it. I don't think we've got time to do that now. I mean, whatever the case, she definitely deserved to go to fucking prison. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Day, like, I'm yeah. just really confused about what the law is. <laughs> yeah, woman rapist gets seven years. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's all um, reported as rapist. As, But I'm just... Yeah, I mean, I personally think if that is the law, then they should fucking change that. Because, yeah, because I think that's, that's archaic. Yeah, I think, that's like, a very uh, limited expression yeah. of what rape is. Because as far as yeah. I'm concerned, whether woman or man, if you... Because if, then it's like, yeah. right, so, uh, like, if you, you know, because you can use, you don't need uh, a penis to no. sexually assault no. someone. Yeah. Like, of course, so... but that's but 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 that's that's the point, I guess, is that what they've done is said you can't be a rapist because rape involves penis, but you can obviously sexually assault someone severely yes. and have a sentence for that. But that's always been, I think, traditionally less than the sentence for rape. And I guess Wait. what we're saying is sexual assault can be just as mm. traumatic as yeah, rape. Like there shouldn't a, be necessarily a difference. Act. Like, yeah, yeah, it's still a violation. Like I don't, yeah. uh, I don't fundamentally agree with the joint enterprise law as it was often used to kind of against working class people primarily um, to essentially lock up more of them. Yeah, but in this case, in these cases where it is a case of someone is raping someone and someone, someone else, else is, is holding, holding them down, down, and they don't actually join in in the actual kind of rape penetrative rape of it but they're yeah. holding them down i i do think they should just get the same sentence because you're just as involved at the end of the day yeah, you were doing like you're just as guilty without you. like literally yeah you should go down for the same amount of time yeah. 100%. i'm just reading a government response to a petition that i wonder when that actually oh yeah in 2020 okay so there was a petition on the gov.uk website that petitioned the government to change the Sexual Offences Act so that women can be charged with rape. Oh, it was rape against males. So I guess that's different oh. to rape against women. But what did they say? Although it's a slightly different petitioning about a slightly different offence, what they have said indicates what the law actually is in this situation that you've just talked about, mm. which is it says... 
issues surrounding the definition of rape were considered and consulted on prior to the introduction of the Sexual Offences Act 2003 and during the passage of that legislation through Parliament, in the consultation there was a considerable amount of agreement, agreement that rape should remain an offence of penile penetration. So we have no plans to amend the legal oh. definition of rape. Um, so that is the legal de- definition. It's so still, I don't know exactly. the legal definition of rape? They re- so it sounds like there was a new act that uh, in 2003 called the Sexual Offences Act and that's where that legal definition comes from and that would have been what I studied in 2004 criminal law. Right. Um, and so I imagine before that it was equally, unless, I can't imagine they, they changed it from being, it used to be anyone could rape to just men. I imagine it's just been so a revamp of that act for other reasons. reported in the media, like... I think I'm going to have to do more... I don't have to. I might report back on this next episode, but I'm just curious now. I want to find out exactly what she was charged with because I can't see at the moment just from how knowing what I know and that weird... That how way. they could have said she's a rapist. I wonder whether it's like aiding and abetting, which can carry the same sentence yeah. as the person who actually committed the act. Yeah. Um... So I don't know, but I'll have a look. <sighs> I haven't got time to look into that now. Yeah, no, no, no. But I will That's look into it. interesting and kind of yeah. strange because you'd think the media would be a bit more careful about oh, how they phrase things. I don't know about that. I don't know. I, I don't know, know about that. I, I just, do you know what I mean? But to completely misrepresent what she's All been I can found say guilty is of. Something doesn't add up. Yeah. So I'm going to get to the bottom weird, of it. isn't it? It doesn't <laughs> quite... But all that to say, I think she definitely should be put in jail and yes, you know have the book thrown at her so aiding and abetting for her role either, either way, way. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i'll have a look into that very interesting from a legal perspective yeah yeah okay so that's all i have for cultural oh is stuff. that it yeah, is it yeah. my go now <laughs> that was it <laughs> okay so let's um got your bags packed got your uh, yes. hawaiian shirt <laughs> combo <laughs> Ready to go? Yeah, just about. I'm going to be demanding a full refund from this holiday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, let's let's go. So it's late at night, and Richard is down in the dumps, and he wanders into John's office, and he says, "Hey, buddy." Where John is equally depressed, and he's like, "Hello, Richard." And Richard is like, "Well, you sound like Eeyore the donkey." And John just gives him like a withering look and says, "Well, perhaps that's the essence of our friendship. I sound like an ass, and you act like one," which I thought was quite quite a funny line. <laughs> um, and then to Ri- an episode. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then Richard shares with John that Ling and he are estranged and they've decided to take uh, a break from each other because he says, it's that Jackson. She's tempted. And I'm kind of annoyed that we don't get to see that I conversation. I was literally about to say the same thing. Like, what the fuck is up with David Kelly, e. Kelly's like instincts with this stuff? It's like, why don't you think that's interesting to see them break up they're like one of the main characters and they've been in a relationship for years for ages and you've just like gone completely skipped over that to be like well i think probably what he was thinking (laughs) yeah i think exactly i think that's what he was thinking was we need to get this vacation on the road like let's just go you know god Jesus. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, is it, that is very good because uh, speaking as someone who... I, I watched all of Aim at Bill when it was on originally, mm. uh, but obviously that was 
20 fucking years ago. Like, you know, I can't remember what happened episode to episode. Uh, although I do remember this episode quite well just because it's such an outlier. Uh, yeah. But yeah, at the beginning, I, I, I just was, because I hadn't listened to your episode on the last episode yet. Uh, I was just, oh, I guess this just happened in the last episode. No. So they broke, but no. it's just the fact that they don't even kind of Fodder. check is just like, oh. Ling got yeah. jealous at a duet that yeah, Jackson yeah, yeah, and Renee yeah, yeah. did. And then we, that's it. And then cut to Richard being like, oh, we broke up. It's like, for fuck's sake. We're on a break. Yeah. We're <laughs> I mean, on yeah. a break. <laughs> <laughs> what happens in LA stays in LA. He was punching up big time. Oh, absolutely. Isn't he always? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so yeah so they've, they've skipped over that but yeah then john asks if richard is worried about the break and richard says well there's nothing i can do really i just hope at the end of the day she looks at him looks at me and realizes i have more money mm-hmm. i was like yep richard to the end right. um and then <laughs> richard sighs and then it's like what happened to us buddy our women are gone we're working late while all the associates are out living life and then he gets an envelope out of his pocket and just pops it on John's desk and goes, it's time for a change. And John's like, what? You've subpoenaed me. And Richard's like, yeah, you've been subpoenaed to sunny California. And yeah, it turns out they're both off on their holidays, not just to California. No, they're going to that Mecca that is aberrant enough for John and superficial enough for Richard. They're going to L frigging a cue titles with an la twist yes. which is literally what made me laugh is like the sights of la are literally just like beach and freeway yeah. <laughs> like, did they even get the hollywood sign in there no <laughs> sweet lord so funny yeah sunshine though i guess i tried to Um, look into this episode a bit in terms of i couldn't really find much information because i was really intrigued about how this episode came about yes i I, i've got a little bit of info but yeah you go no you you go first okay well i was just going because i was like was this meant to be a backdoor pilot for uh for a richard and john spin-off you know because that's how Back in those days, that's how they did spin-offs. They did a backdoor pilot. They did an episode in a kind of thing. Or was it a case of just randomly uh, Calista Flockhart was on holiday that week or something like that? So they needed an episode that she didn't feature that much? I don't know because she's in this episode. And I wonder if that's because she has in her contract that she has to appear in every episode or something oh, in some do, way, yeah. shape or form or something. Yeah. She would do, yeah. Um, but yeah, as you say, it's only like a handful of scenes which they could have shot at any point. But no idea. So I don't have that information. What I do have is some information from Mike Most, who is the visual effects supervisor. And he has some information about some of the shooting locations, if we're interested. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the driving sequence where um, John and Richard have their heads through the sunroof, which will obviously will come to all of these, <laughs> was um, filmed on Ocean Avenue in Santa Monica. Okay. And then the amusement park and the skateboarding that they do was on Santa Monica Pier, <laughs> which I kind of recognised. Um, and the the scenes where they're in the kind of conference room with the lawyer 
were in like a random office building in downtown LA. Um, that was the agent's office as well. Mm. Um, and then the hotel, um, I think was in West Hollywood was the pool. And then the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, which was the restaurant. And then the club that we see a special musical guest in, I don't want to give it away, no. is one in Inglewood, which they've actually used for a location shoot before, um, which was where they shot Ling's like mud wrestling club a few uh, years ago. Yes, okay. Yeah. So the only sets they actually used in this episode were the hotel room and the plane and obviously the alley alley scenes and yes. like everything else was, was on location. On location. So, uh, okay. Which Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Makes so sense. That was quite interesting. Yeah. Um so yeah. Oh, hey, so <laughs> Yeah. So after titles, we're actually still in Boston. Um and it's the the weekly meeting. And everyone is basically questioning the news that Richard apparently has just announced. And I think it's really funny because he's, he's come to the office to announce this in his like regular suit, but with like no tie and it's top button undone, which is his like holiday mode. Um, and he just announces that him and John are off for a two day R&R in LA to broaden themselves culturally a little. And at that moment, John arrives in his holiday mode, which is Hawaiian shirt, red trousers, straw hat and like a camera around his neck like tourist central (laughs) (laughs) and then Richard just casually announces that Ali's going to be senior partner for the time being while they jet off and like all of us the rest of the lawyers are like why Ali and Richard's like oh uh seniority and I was like I'm sorry but this is why last week's episode should have been called failing up like Ali is the epitome of someone who only rises through the ranks by being present somewhere long enough and not through any kind of like you know work work. (laughs) absolutely ridiculous now should be running but like easily like now should be running the show 100% she'd run a tight ship even Elaine yeah even Elaine Jesus Christ even the bloke who cleans the bogs (laughs) (laughs) he knows more about what's going on than Ali does yeah so anyway then Richard tries to leave and Ali's like wait 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 wait. you can't just name me senior partner and then just rush out of the room and Richard's like oh uh, John told me to he said if you name Ali senior partner (laughs) be prepared to rush out of the room (laughs) And then as John like stammers and while he's stammering accidentally takes a picture on his camera, (laughs) Richard continues and he says, well, beyond that, it's necessary. We've got a plane to catch. So off we go. And they both like head out the door to escape before anyone can whine more as Ali just kind of shrugs like smugly and Nell looks disgusted. Yes, well, (laughs) rightly so. (laughs) So next. To the soundtrack of Randy Newman's I Love LA, um, John and Richard have made it to the airport, but are rushing through as Richard is moaning that John's been fanning around too much buying sun lotion that is apparently SPF 100, (laughs) which I don't think exists. No, I don't think it does. Um, And John's reassuring Richard that they won't miss the flight. And Richard notably is carrying a baby car seat. Why? Well, I'll tell you why. When they, well, exactly. When they get to the gate, John presses a remote and the sound of a baby wailing starts up and they cut to the front of the boarding queue and I've written, it's giving Billy Zane from Titanic <laughs> yeah. vibes. Like, <laughs> I'm glad both our brains weren't there. Like, By the way, a, a bloke 
actually, we all went to Peppa Pig World recently. Oh, yeah. And did I tell <laughs> yes, you we that did. bloke did that? In With the my queue? son, not just for fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, no, we all just went for a laugh. When we went we on the, child. Uh, the boat ride thing, uh, Peppa Pig's yeah. boat when world. We, when we were the ones sat yeah, on yeah. the yeah, side. Yeah. And uh, me, Russ, and others went on that. Did I tell you that someone Billy Zaned it through the queue? <laughs> Like, no, did they? Like, Which so was is, totally against the rules. So I'm you pretty sure to do that. <laughs> this is the most <laughs> no. popular ride at Peppa Pig World, I think, in terms Possibly. of like the... Uh, it's one of, big, yeah, yeah on a hot it, day, I think it was sure. the biggest queue. And it's a long, long car winding queue to this uh, thing. And we were about halfway up the queue. And <laughs> it, 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 literally there's big signs everywhere saying you cannot like cut in or anything yeah. And suddenly this bloke kind of like comes through and he's holding his little girl and he's like excuse me excuse me excuse me and he literally like pushed past everyone like excuse me and and disappears off up there and I just I just literally shouted out I have a child (laughs) and the the bloke the bloke next to me who I didn't know just fucking died (laughs) I mean that is like comedy like in a when you're like you're you're at a, a, a theme park for toddlers. Like you cannot grab your toddler and be like, "I'm so sorry, I have a toddler." It's like we've all got fucking toddlers, okay. mate. <laughs> <laughs> so funny! Oh my god! No, you didn't say that. You should have said that at the time. It's so funny. But yeah. So they get on the plane and Richard's carrying the baby seat and also a can of drink at which the flight attendant immediately is like on him for that. Politely, yet firmly yes. telling Richard they can't bring any food or drink onto the plane. And Richard makes some quip about their food and drink tasting like rust remover. And then he asks for a Bloody Mary and tells the person next to his seat, which is a fat man, to speed it up. He says, speed it up, pokey, as he's putting away his overhead luggage and Richard's waiting to get in. Um, And then as Richard complains about coach passengers pushing past him as he shoves the baby seat into the overhead compartment and he sits down, the baby sound effect then goes off at which John like brandishes the remote from his seat to switch off. And this this old couple look disgusted because they've been like, what, there's a baby? Oh, it's not real. Oh, you're disgusted. <laughs> I, I, I was like, they're such fucking little weirdos, him and John. Yeah, they are. Like, yeah, fucking baby soundbox thing. Like, Jesus. Oh, right, uh. So... They're about to, I mean, it, I don't know why you're sighing now, guys. It just gets no, worse. I know. <laughs> no, I, I know. <laughs> They're about to take off um, and John has his eye mask on and Richard giving us an excuse to play the fat phobia jingle. Dum, dum, dee, dum, 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 dee, dum, dum, fat phobia is dum, dum, dee, dum, dum, fat phobia is dum, dum, dee, dum, dum, fat phobia is dum, dum, dee, dum, dum. Because yes. I have I have no time for these shenanigans with Richard, quote unquote, struggling with sitting next to the fat man. Like, suffice to say, David E. Kelly rolls out all the stereotypes. Yeah, like, fat is... people are sweaty, fat people stink, fat people are so large, you have to physically wrestle with them so that they can sit down. Fat people fart a lot, fat people are gross, yuck fat people. Like, it was just yeah, like, uh, I'm not, uh, was, this is not, this shut was up. my... <laughs> Oh, we, have we got the... a joint objection? Here? Oh, have we well, yeah, well, this, oh. Is, this is both of our objection. <laughs> Boom. Right. You didn't stand up, though, like Ali and Drew. Oh, well, our <laughs> earphones were ripped out of our ears. Yeah. Um, I would have been 
fall down. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so this is joint objection uh, for us. Yeah. yeah I, I, yeah, I really hated this. And it, did, like you say, it did just mm. get progressively worse. It was because really ugly. Yeah. It's not nice, I mean, because as soon as I saw the fat bloke, I was like, oh, God, this is going to be Here something. Here we go. Like, yeah, exactly. And, you know, and he said, like, you know, that thing about Pokerton, which I didn't even really understand. And then he no, has to I sit didn't. next to him and he's instantly doing all this physical kind of, like, uh, uh, comedy. Oh, my space comedy. being encroached yeah, on yeah, so exactly. much. And then he, he says this really insulting thing to him about... Um, he says, oh, we'd feel a lot safer without you blocking the exits. Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah. really he does say horrible. That. Yeah. To say. horrible. But then it got worse for me because the thing is, right, is Richard is a dickhead. Yeah. We know he's yeah. a dickhead. The audience know he's a twat already. Uh, so yeah. it's that thing where he says certain things, it's kind of like that's his character, although we may not agree, we accept, and even the show at this time acknowledges that he is a male chauvinist pig or whatever yeah. the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's emotionally stunted. But then when they have the bit where the fat guy, he starts farting. Yeah. Like repeatedly. Oh, we'll get to that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like literally, it's like out of a scene at a fucking bottom. Yeah. Also, like, just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know, I mean, that's an insult to bottom. I mean, yeah. like, you know, literally, <laughs> it is just that All bottoms. of going, like, it, it's just... Literally, the show going, Oh, poor Richard, look how disgusting fat people are. Yeah. And it's just yes. horrible. And you know what? As someone who is like, uh, I am a fat woman, like, it is one of those things. Well, of, I'd like, say we're all probably bigger people, yeah, like, but, every which but it's way. That thing of like, <laughs> No one is braver than a than no. a thin person having to sit next to a fat person on a oh plane. yeah 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 like people get right are, are, are feel incredibly entitled to be as rude as they like to fat passengers on a plane if they end up well, being also, fat next to them and it's just and this planes this, are incentivized this, to make those seats as small yeah, as they can get away with. Fault. So you're They're already on a losing like battle. Like, They've only got yeah. smaller. They have yeah, only yeah, got yeah, smaller. Yeah. And, and it's just, it is like, I'm sorry, but like, it's it's not our fault. <laughs> yeah, like they, yeah. they are making it so that we are shoved in like cattle. Like, um, yeah. if you want to uh, ensure that you do not have your space encroached upon, how about you buy the second seat rather than me? Like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, upgrade yourself to freaking first yeah, class. Like, like, it's so important That was you. a really weird thing, because in this, they actually state they are in first that they're class. in first class. And I was like, no, you're not. Like, literally, <laughs> I was like, no, class. you're not. I know. Well, what- it might be... It might be that the, it's a plane, it's a small, because obviously it's just an interstate flight, it's not international. So it's a smaller plane that might just have like business class and coach and they're calling business class first class I, for some I, reason, I don't, I don't I know. I genuinely don't believe so. For me, I genuinely was like, this is 100% not in any way first class. There's nothing about this that indicates first class. This, for me, shows budgetary constraint because this time's net, possibly. network TV possibly. budget... I think, because this will be a set, it's not a real plane. It is a set, It's a set, and I think they would have just used the set that they have knocking about for a plane, and it so happened that the plane set they had 
was economy. They, well, thought, they wouldn't yeah. have been able to afford to build a new first class plane. No, no, set, that's true. Think, so yeah, they yeah, just yeah. done it on that and then got, oh, it's first class. I'm like, well, this doesn't even make sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But yeah, so, it's just really yeah. unpleasant. And I th- and the thing is, it's, I, it's, it's um, scenes like this in TV shows and films that do make people um feel really entitled to be rude and it legitimizes that to, behavior to yeah people when they you know fly on planes like and oh, not even just rude and hostile but even just thinking that it's funny to make a joke mm. It's not, you, you know. know. Um, and I would have put my objection in here as well, except I kind of knew that you would, Eleanor. So I was like, I'm going to save mine for another. I mean, I'll put the jingle in and then I'll save it. For objection. Yeah. Also, it's just all so fucking ridiculous. Like you say, it's that thing of going like, literally, plane seats are just tiny and only getting tinier. At the end of the day, like, I am six foot five and literally I go to the gym a lot. And it's that thing of going like, I don't know, it's like, I'm not fat, as it were, no, but I am, but I am big and yeah. I take up a lot of space. So essentially it's the same thing at the end of the day. I will encroach on your space in a kind of thing. So it doesn't matter. But it's like, people will would, not, would not treat you with the disgust that they would treat me with the, well, with the same Maybe not, thing, but then you know it's I mean? even more ridiculous because it's yes. like, the thing for me is like, it's the, the yeah, fact that you're, you're in a small contained space yeah. and someone is kind of, and I do go over that space because yeah. I am large. And yeah. then they like, yeah, so at the end of the day, it should be exactly the same. Because the thing, the problem surely is that, hey, we're all coming together. I'm now taking up too much space. No, but, but, but of course. Liam, yeah. if you're fat, you're gross. But that's so, what I'm yeah. saying is that yeah. that's yeah. what's ridiculous yeah. about it in yeah. terms of exactly. it's just, yeah. just total buzz. It's exactly the same. Like I will take up same issue, the same space capacity. But you won't be treated uh, as lots the same of it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so it's just 100%. rubbish. So after this, performance and um, the flight attendant starts to make the safety announcements and Richard just gets up and cuts across her and it's like attention please uh before we get started could I ask how many of you here are going to LA for pleasure show of hands please and like a few of the passengers raise their hands and Richard's like oh excellent uh bloody Mary's for them flight attendant lady um let's start the vacation now that's what I say um and I assume the rest of you are going on business and this whole time, John looks like he wants the ground to like swallow him up through secondhand embarrassment as he just like buries his face in his hands. And Richard is like, yep, bloody Mary's for them too. Why should they be punished? How about you, partner? Meaning his fat flight companion. He's like, Marlocks with a twist. And at this point, the flight attendant tries to take control, but Richard just talks over her first, getting in a quick wattle graze whilst he's at it, which, ugh. And then he says, one more thing, then I'll sit. Yeah, um, many of you, I'm sure, are concerned about a lot of planes going down lately. Let's not blame the airlines. It's a competitive market. They've all had to lay off mechanics, cut a few corners. And John's like sinking lower into his seat and putting a magazine up in front of his face. Um, And Richard says, young pilots are cheaper. You've seen ours. 25 tops i saw them playing with their game boys luckily i'm a lawyer as is my colleague john cage and john is still like kill me now (laughs) as the flight attendant keeps trying to get richard to shut the fuck up but richard continues and says it's not too late we've bought a portable fax machine with us if any of you don't have final testaments to fly these days without one is reckless i don't need to tell you that and then the fat man next to richard farts and richard's like 
oh, there you go. And the flight attendant has just had it at this point and they says she's going to go and get the pilot. And Richard says, well, yeah, well, he's got a will. Trust me, he checks it before every flight. Uh, Bloody Mary's now. We're all waiting. As the flight attendant just stomps away, mad AF. Yeah. Like, understandably. Imagine, like, he just treats her with just such... It is just like... Disrespect. It's like, a woman has set firm boundaries. Now I must trample over them like a five-year-old. And I just, it's... It's just so, like, oh, for fuck, take a, this is supposed to be your vacation, Richard. Like, take a fucking day off. Stop touching women. Stop being, like, a twat for five seconds. Like, Jesus Christ. Five seconds. (laughs) Yeah. Cut to Ali at, back at Cage of Fish, on the phone, at Elaine's desk, to John, apparently, um, watched closely by Nell and Ling. Um, and what she's once she's off the phone, Nell's like, oh, what's wrong? And Ali explains that the captain of the plane has ordered Richard not to speak for the entire flight. <laughs> Thank God. And then <laughs> she continues that to say that evidently the captain of an airplane in a flight has full authority to do almost anything, including enjoining the passengers from speaking. And Ling just mutters, well, that's ridiculous. As Mark joins the conversation, having overheard, and it's like, no, it isn't. It's true. And he says it like really (laughs) ominously in the background. I mean, frankly, it's a shame that this episode didn't get made after 9-11 because after that, the the powers of the pilot would have only shot up and could have probably had fucking Richard tasered or something. For all our enjoyment. As soon as he said the words, planes going down, he would have been off that flight. Well, I yeah. mean, like, it's astonishing, isn't it? Like, this is March 2001, mm. so it's like, it's Oh, so yeah, this, this behaviour would have instantly got you it, thrown yeah, off the flight. Yeah, it's so strange to see, like, like, air travel culture in America pre-9-11 compared it is, to post yeah. It's so weird to witness it yeah like well just watch home alone every yeah. home alone two every <laughs> yeah. uh every every christmas like yeah heaven just goes on without a ticket Absolutely. yeah just like <laughs> crazy <laughs> back on the flight um richard is just huffing and puffing about how ridiculous it uh, ridiculous it is absolutely not keeping quiet in the slightest because john keeps going like really worried about what's going to happen next then the fat man farts again and richard goes oh did you hear that i paid 1500 bucks to sit in the horn section and john's like i'm gonna call ali again she's researching it and then he says for the millionth time try not to be gross (laughs) i was like john come on it's richard um then there's (laughs) exactly Then there's some turbulence and Richard is like, well, I suppose that's my fault too. And John shushes him again. And Richard's like, look, we've got a stewardess with the charm of lurch. They tell me I can't talk. And then the fat man farts again. And Richard then obnoxiously goes, oh, that does it. And he pulls down the emergency oxygen mask as the flight attendant tells him not to. And Richard's like, go away. And the flight attendant is like, no, sir, they're for emergencies only. And Richard's like, I've got one. Trust me, I'm sitting next to John Philip Sousa who, if you don't understand that reference, I looked it up. Uh, he is the composer of like, um, I can't remember, but they're like, you know, like famous military like songs, like instrumental songs that military bands would play right. for the US. So, so, so like, I guess he's thinking like, yeah. 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 
so she says she'll get the pilot again and Richard's like oh no don't disturb him on his first flight ever I'm sure he's anxious enough (laughs) the attendant's like I'm warning you and Richard just puts the mask on and says right what are you gonna do cut to the tarmac where the flight has landed and Richard is being led away in cuffs by the LAPD what are you gonna do indeed I I, I was just like (laughs) Uh, Richard should be arrested more often, frankly. Yeah. Well, I actually wrote in <laughs> my notes. I'm surprised it's taken this long. <laughs> Richard rightfully ejected from the plane. <laughs> like, yeah. I should have fucking thrown him out of the fucking exit. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, quite. Um, and Richard wonders if he's got to get Californian cancel, but John says, oh, I'm sure I'll be permitted to represent you during the trial. And Richard's like, do they even have trials in Los Angeles? Don't they just beat you up and send you to Mexico? And John goes, oh, that's just the alias. <laughs> I was like, Jesus. Topical. Um, yeah. So, uh, apparently, Richard... that's not true as well. Apparently, legally in America, like if you're a lawyer, you can't just literally go to another state and be like no. and start practicing I law. don't think you like, can you have to pass yeah. the bar yeah so it, state, the so... assumption is that John has also passed the bar there as well which I suppose he could have done but he yeah. could have done, done but yeah I don't know um, so then as Richard is being put into the cop car he goes this is unacceptable and John gets in the other side and goes repugnant <laughs> and they drive yes your travel buddy is repugnant John <laughs> correct yeah so at the trial, um, which has, you know, been turned around ever so fast, <laughs> John cuts in as the charges are about to be read in the People versus Richard Fish to say, um, we waive reading of the charges. They're so ridiculous. They shouldn't even be uttered out loud all the while wearing his like holiday outfit <laughs> looking hilarious as Richard is being led to um he's being led out of the holding pen to his defense table with john um and then john says my client was given a mandate to stop speaking by an overzealous pilot on a six-hour flight and then the da claims that he was upsetting the passengers and john's like he was doing no such thing i was there you were not my client mr fish was merely engaging his fellow passengers in a discussion on airline disasters now is there some rule you can't talk about that on a jet because if so i'd say that's preposterous first class turned into a police state with this militant flight attendant and the da adds well he also pulled down an oxygen mask at which john says after a large man who was encroaching into my client's seat repeatedly expressed himself with flatulence you know it's hard enough these days with airlines deliberately cancelling flights causing untoward delays serving food with the life expectancy of cardboard more times than not it is cardboard and at this the da sighs and starts rolling his eyes and john keeps going it's hard enough that they heard you on like cattle flight attendants treating you like pigs all the while you're seated next to a hog mm. blasting sulfur phobia. all the way from new york to mississippi is it beyond reason to rebel for three measly breaths of bacteria free air and at this the judge asks if this is why they're here because he talked about plane crashes and pulled down an oxygen mask and the da says well yeah those are the main infractions and the judge says well he's going to give richard a break and dismisses the case and richard's like excellent if i could just make a brief and he goes to get up and john just pushes him down going absolutely not yeah absolutely not i mean yeah uh john you're enabling richard like as ever like they enable each other yeah, don't they are we going to do this bit on retrial? No, we aren't. Okay, well, I'm doing it now. Richard, you're guilty as fuck. Do it. 
Get it <laughs> straight to jail. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred pounds. Get the fuck in the slammer. Jesus Christ. Guilty show. I wish this had been set the year after because he would be facing jail time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This whole argument would not stand would up. Not no, fly. Not at all. No. <laughs> Neither would Richard. So, yeah. <laughs> So Richard, yeah. so Richard, a free man, and John head to their hotel via a sunset montage of them standing out the sunroof of a limo, sure, to the soundtrack <laughs> of Randy Newman again. Um, so the next day, they're getting ready in their hotel suite, um, and Richard is wandering around with, I, I couldn't tell whether it was a brochure or a map, but he's basically saying... Well, John, we were off to a bumpy start, but we're in business now. A little pool action, meet a couple of LA girls, get a little LA wattle. And I was like, oh, yeah. gross. Um, <laughs> and then John comes around the corner in his second vacation outfit, which is, fashion moment, <laughs> a short-sleeved shirt and short set, which is patterned with like a pale and blue white print with a white vest underneath <laughs> and a white visor. Uh, and Richard is like, is that you, John? For a second, I thought you were Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> It's really funny. <laughs> and he says, come on, let's go. And John sort of folds his arms and goes, do you think it's right? Do you really think it's right for us to try and meet women? I'm just going through a really tough breakup. I don't even know what you and Ling are going through. And Richard folds up the brochure and is like, John, I won't deny our pain, but isn't that why God made women? No. To ease the hardship <laughs> of men. Even if the hardship is in our shorts, vulgarism. Uh. And John just rolls his eyes. And Richard's like, say the motto and john kind of idly picks up a piece of decor which is like a starfish and it's like we're in la and richard's like oh come on what is it and john a bit more enthusiastically goes we're in la and richard says say it again one more time with feeling and john sort of cockily and like smiling goes we're in LA and Richard's like there you go yeah brother they start sort of wiggling together <laughs> as play that funky music starts up <laughs> oh my god no and we cut to them like strolling with their towels over their shoulders as they hit the pool can I which... say that Richard and John look like such fucking losers amongst the LA elite <laughs> like literally they look they so do. out of place the pool's like full of hot young things and yeah. they're like definitely so fish bad. out of water oh, it's a bit like they when they went to that club with Nell and Ling yeah, that time yeah it's exactly like that and there's another like yeah. uh, they redo that moment mm. in this episode they do yeah, yeah. it's like your so, dad's turning up to your party going like, yeah, like yeah. hey guys well <laughs> that kind of leans into my objection a bit later but yeah okay. so John is already kind of like down on everything once they're at the pool and he's like look I'm already burning up out here and Richard's like look cool move cool and John's like I don't think we're gonna do well at this pool Richard and Richard's like do you always have to be so negative and they just start like bickering and John just goes look I'm just saying I don't think we maximize our potential by taking our clothes off <laughs> as Richard spots a woman emerging from the water in slow motion tossing her hair with the like herbal essences male girl like extended <laughs> version of the music yeah. um and richard is like openly ogling her as she finishes tossing her hair and walks off to find her towel and this is my objection <laughs> it's not so much the ogling although i don't really like that 
it's more just this entire um storyline yes. of him and this woman very like, much yes i'm i'm not about this like i get older they stay the same age matthew mcconaughey days of confused bullshit like no it is gross gross i don't care what david e kelly has said is richard fish's age like richard is knocking on 40 if he's a day and this girl is 100 <laughs> percent barely out of college <laughs> if that. it's like Elizabeth from gross France. so she's definitely young. well yeah i was yeah. just about to say that like this woman is um Alexandra Holden, who most people will probably recognise as Ross's college-age girlfriend, Elizabeth, which, mind-blowingly for me, that episode, those episodes with her and friends aired the year before this Ali oh. McBeal episode. And for some reason in my head, this 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 season is like happened way before Friends. But I think that's just because I've watched Friends so often yeah. in the like intervening years that it's like timeless. You know what yes. I mean? So so she's clearly, and she, I think she even says her age later on. She's like 20 something, like early 20s. Yeah. And I'm just like, no, I'm sorry. No. no, this is not, this should not be allowed. No, Well, it's just kind of, it's very, uh, she's her entire character and the way she reacts to Richard is just such a cliche male fantasy. Like mm-hmm. in terms of just like, oh, this hot young blonde just um inexplicably finds this asshole <laughs> like attractive well, and she's endearing. By yeah, he's char- like I'm so- there is literally nothing charming about this man. Um but I also find it odd that Richard's so charmed by her because we know up until now apart from his sort of relationship with Ling, his main attraction is or fetish is like older women. women. Yeah. And he didn't once try to touch her wattle. <laughs> like well, it's it, just very It feels very kind of like I don't know, I feel like that element of Richard's personality has been dialed back like in recent seasons of of the show. But it, that annoys me because I really I mean I don't like his objectifying of anyone, but I did like the fact that it was different that he actually found beauty in age, which yeah. so often we don't get no, to see. No, it's often represented like at all. Seen as um, women's uh, women who are older um, are often like their bodies expendable, are sort of. Um, demonized almost than others. Yeah, because and- that's where that's why I was so like grossed out by this whole storyline because it's just like why have they always got to have like the middle-aged men being attractive young women like it's delusional yes, for, one. for one and two it's just gross it's just gross like why why is youth just the ultimate beauty standard when there's so much going for you as you get older yes. like this whole chasing of youth and youngness i just think is so damaging to but society. I, I also think like it, it uh, like i can buy a woman her age falling for um an older man but it's that thing of like but he has to be in some way charming and and richard isn't <laughs> like he just isn't. no he isn't he's just a fucking loser like i don't uh, who just says he has money like but she's Whoa. seen no evidence of him having and, money and can do the hustle <laughs> yeah because it's in, well, I, I, well that's we're getting ahead of ourselves because we haven't got to that bit but yeah well i just thought of an interesting comparison because when you said that i literally immediately thought of uh john slattery from Mad Men. 
Oh, because yeah. Oh, yeah. he's a very similar kind of position, a weirdly quite similar character to Richard in a way. Uh, yes, he he I occupies know what you mean. a similar yeah. space. Yes. But I think in that obviously he is in a position of power in Mamma, and so that adds to kind of, you know, his Probably attraction. Is, but but yeah. I, I don't find it massively unbelievable in Mamman that John Sack would be able to hook up with like Joan and stuff like that because he no. is charming despite being also a chauvinist and yes. kind of like yeah. having yeah. those yes. problematic elements and being older but, but there is, is something smart. Yeah. he is charming yeah. like there are qualities that make him attractive richard is like not that at all no he's not smart no. he's not cultured he's not like knowledgeable he's a really ignorant shallow just nub of a human I wouldn't being. even say he's charismatic. <laughs> like in terms no, he's of, not even charismatic. I think Greg Gurman's uh, no. performance of Richard is very good. And like he... Yes. He's kind of eccentric patter. He delivers very, very well. And there's, you know, there's something amusing about him sometimes. But I wouldn't say, yeah, his character is charming or charismatic no, in any way. No, not at all. So it, I think he's I, a I'm sad, strange like, little man. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, is, it is one of those things <laughs> where it's like, I'm sorry, like, this isn't believable. Um, no. But I don't like that they're portraying it as, you know... Oh, let's just go to LA and get like hook up with some young babies. girls. Like yeah, it's just no, gross. It's, it's just horrible. horrible. It's really so, it feels And John's clearly uncomfortable about the idea as well. Like I can't imagine him trying to like he's I feel like he's just going along with Rich what Richard wants Which to do rather than that does. would be how he like, Yeah, it, it is. It, yeah. He doesn't um, yeah, have a spine so, when it comes so, to that stuff. <laughs> so anyway. After Richard is like um denied about whether this girl looked at him and and he's also sort of watched her to work out where she's sitting, he sees that she's got two empty lounge chairs next to her. So that means that she's alone. Um, and John's like, okay, let's go. And it's about to like sprint over there. But then Richard's like, no, 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 act cool. And they both put on their shades and the funky music starts up as they like strut over oh, there slowly God. and like, like, Bye, it like random passes by. Um, and John was, a, what's funny, when they arrive at the two su- empty sun lounges, John was about to take the sun lounger next to her, but then Richard just gives him a shovel on. And then they like whip out their towels and pop them on the sun loungers in like perfect synchronicity. And that kind of gets her attention and she smiles. And then they both adjust the loungers so they're like perfectly aligned to hers and flop down together at the same time. Um, and she's kind of turned away with a smile. And then Richard turns to her and he basically starts chatting her up by saying that he can't get sun lotion in the middle of his back. And the woman is like, well, can't you get your friend to help you with that? Um, but she's kind of got a smile on her face, like she's clearly amused and can tell she's being chatted up. And Richard's like, yeah, well, you know, I asked, but he's a little homophobic, you know, to each his own. Some sure feels hot though, huh? And so she gives in and she offers to do it for him. And Richard's like, oh, would you? Oh, oh, I feel funny. I don't even know you. And then he grabs the bag that's between him and John to get the lotion. And John's like, that's my pool toaster. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was really funny, like a little throwaway line. But then Richard yanks it and rummages for the sunscreen as he introduces himself. And she says that her name is um, Jane Wilco. And Richard's like, oh, are you an actress? And she's like, yeah, actually, can you tell that? And Richard says, well, I get a feel for people. 
I got a pretty good take on you. And she's like, you do? And Richard's like, well, as an actress, you feel your life is on call. Your agent could page you with an audition. Your career could turn on whether you're ready to react fast enough. Let me tell you, Jane, dreams work the same way. They're suddenly there, ready to come true. But only if you're ready to react and not fear them. Now, I got a suite upstairs I'd love to show you. Are you willing to get in the same room as your dreams, Jane? This and feels like such a... This is something Harvey Weinstein would say to an inspiring actress. You know what I mean? Well, bafflingly, <laughs> Jane seems amused and charmed rather than grossed out and says, okay. I, Jesus I was like, Christ. What? Oh, my God. Um, um, and Richard, what's funny and brilliant from Greg German is that Richard's reaction is clearly like taken aback that it was that Shocked easy, but he sort of rallies <laughs> yeah. and he's like, whoa, that's excellent. And um, John, and John's kind of dumbfounded in the background and <laughs> that that has also worked. And he's like, um, John, watch our stuff. And John's like left alone. So he goes to reapply the sunscreen on his leg, except as he turns the bottle upside down, the like dispenser bit falls off so the whole contents of this bottle just end up on his leg and he's like trying to sort that out as he sort of catches the eye of a woman sat at a table nearby and he sort of starts sort of like tutting to himself and like shaking his head and being like oh what am I like sort of thing and then he decides to say hi and make small talk and introduce himself until he realizes that as she blows her nose she's upset so, meanwhile, the beginning bars of The Hustle start as Richard is giving Jane the grand tour of his suite and she's like, hmm, nice room, just as Richard starts dancing to do The Hustle, which presumably he can only hear in his head because Jane's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and Richard's like, oh, uh, just a little hustle action. And for some reason, again, Jane thinks that this is charming and sweet. And it's like, oh, the hustle. I know that. I'm a VH1 junkie. Where are they now? And Richard's like, really? And Jane's like, I swear. As Richard like twirls and is like, Jane, do the hustle with me. And they start sort of dancing together. Like, do, 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 again, do, do, blonde woman who knows all your references from your <laughs> middle-aged life <laughs> yeah and jane's like you're kind of fun i'm like no jane no this no, is not fun run away. <laughs> and richard's like of course i am and then jane goes are you rich and richard's like loaded it's all yours baby just make me happy and jane starts giggling just as the police bursting through the door guns aloft <laughs> telling them both to get down on the floor and they both crouch down with their hands up but Richard is like I know my rights just tell me what I'm arrested for which is cut to Ali back on the phone again at Elaine's desk and I was like why is she at Elaine's desk why isn't Elaine answering <laughs> and Ali's just going solicitation and it's a call from Richard who she keeps having to tell to slow down and then she hangs up saying that she'll track down John and uh, okay as Elaine, Nell and Ling just look on amused. What I find so. really like <laughs> fucking hilarious is <laughs> not hilarious massively depressing is that <laughs> as this being the focus of the episode is, is John and Richard. What David E. Kelly has the women on his show doing is literally nothing, just hanging out round the telephone, waiting for the boys to call them. Oh, like, it's we'll come like, to this, Eleanor. Well, we will come I, to this. I 100% think that is because 
like I say, I am convinced that this episode probably came out of Calissa Flockhart being busy. Also, I, I'm like, literally, look up the time. Was she shooting something, a movie? Yeah, or something like that? Because these scenes with her on the phone, all of those could have easily been shot in a day. Oh, yeah, it's all, absolutely. all the same set. Oh, yeah. Same setup, everything. Yeah. Like, they could literally just shot those. Literally whacked that out in a morning. Like, um, <laughs> and what I was going to say was, what I find really interesting about this is... Um, when I was watching it, I actually kind of a vague memory slipped into my mind. I actually said, oh, wait a minute. She's a sex worker, isn't she? When they were by the pool. Because I actually remembered that twist from when I first watched the episode. Uh-huh. And I was actually going, oh, okay, credit to David E. Kelly. This is his screenplay. Um, you know, literally he's setting us up to think, oh yeah, she's falling for Richard. Like, oh, how ridiculous. And then of course it is ridiculous because she's actually a sex worker. The police turn up and arrest them both and everything like that. And that's what I was going down. But then it's like, so he literally gave himself an out in his writing for, oh, this is why. She was yeah. seemingly yeah. was charmed by Richard. Entertaining him. It's all bollocks. Yeah. She, of course, she would just want to please him because she's a sex worker. And then it's like, oh no, <laughs> no, 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 no. She genuinely really liked him. She just happened to be a sex worker. <laughs> kind of like, yeah. It's just like, for fuck's sake, you literally had, you had a it. reason. <laughs> you had it. But yeah, I know. Like, um, again, I'm happy he gets arrested again. But yeah. I just, yeah, it just seems like this episode is just going like, <laughs> the women don't have lives unless there's a man there to witness it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so where is John? Well, he is comforting the woman that he tried to chat up but realised was upset. Um, and he's joined her at her table. Now, this woman, um, I don't know if you recognise her, but she's played by an actress called Bernadette Peters. Um, did you recognise her, Eleanor? I think I thought I just recognised her from seeing this episode before. Like I think... Name rings well, she's she's been in so much stuff and she's had such an interesting career. So she was a child star oh. um, on TV, pretty much, which I don't actually know her from, but... I recognised her straight away because she was in that movie that we used to have videotaped, which was Mel Brooks's silent movie that came out in the 70s. She was, she played Vilma Kaplan, the like sexy nightclub singer that is meant to dupe Mel Brooks's character, but ends up falling in love with him. Like yeah, the main female character in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the like fruit on her head that does the sexy yeah. dance. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I and then recognize her. That's what. That's what. Well, I didn't. I was like, I know her from somewhere. And when I looked her up, I was like, that's where I know her from. But then I found out in the eighties she did loads of Broadway and she originated a lot of roles, which um, for some reason, particularly in Sondheim musicals like Into the Woods, oh. Sunday in the Park with George, Annie Get Your Gun. And then in the 90s, she went back to do like film and TV stuff. And she had um, recurring roles in loads of stuff like Ugly Betty, Smash, The Good Fight. So it's just really interesting that I know her from like this random film in the 70s. And I'm like, oh, actually, she's done so much stuff. So so I probably vaguely recognize her from other things as well that I wouldn't have even realized. You know what I mean? How fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I will have to go. Yeah. Uh, You know what? I haven't seen that film 
since I was a child. Final movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's really good. It's really yeah, funny. Yeah, I, I'd love to rewatch that because it will be yeah. so nostalgic. But um, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, interesting. Yeah. So here she's playing a woman called Cassandra, and John's joined her at her table. And she's explaining what's wrong and why she's upset. And basically, she's getting a divorce. And under the prenup that she signed, because she had an affair, she forfeits all alimony and community property except for $100,000. And John's like, wait, even though he was also having an affair. And Cassandra's like, yeah, I'm afraid so. It's not that I care that much about the money, although I must admit to being quite used to having it. Um, But I'm faced with losing my art studio and he set up my affair. And John's like, well, what do you mean you s- he set it up? And Cassandra says, well, the man I had the affair with was hired by my husband. That's probably the most humiliating of it all. My adulterous lover was only in it for the money. My husband did it to disqualify me from alimony under the prenup. And before John can comfort her anymore, a woman interrupts to let John know that Richard's trying to get hold of him on his cell phone. And at this point i got a bit confused by this because the woman's in like a bikini and a sarong so she seems to be like a random guest and i'm like well why does she know that john's trying to get hold of richard's trying to get hold of john because surely richard would have called the hotel and the hotel staff would have let john know uh, yeah why would a member of staff be in unless she was like the lifeguard oh i presume she because it's like a patterned bikini and like uh, when do lifeguards wear sarong well maybe maybe it's just one of those faces at la hotel it's like the hooters the hotel yeah 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 yeah. i think it could just be like she works by the pool like they get them to be in bikinis or whatever i reckon maybe i I I thought it was a bit weird yeah i i would imagine la has probably done something like that yeah okay well cut to John has gone to visit (laughs) cut to John's gone to visit Richard in his cell and he's like shooketh that he's been arrested again (laughs) this time for solicitation and Richard's like evidently she's a cool girl the hotel was suspicious they hired some PIs with the police to I don't know and John's like well did you fraternise with her and Richard's like no I was just doing the hustle they just busted in there was no exchange of money we didn't even exchange bodily fluids it's just the worst vacation, John, ever. Good. <laughs> he looks really sad. Carmen's a bitch. And then he <laughs> and then he lets John know that the arraignment's set for tomorrow morning and that he has to sleep there in his cell. And John's like, it's okay, we'll deal with it. And Richard says, I should have been suspicious when she willingly went to my room. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yes, yes, you should have. <laughs> and then he said, but I figured this was LA, you know? Maybe girls do that here. Oh, the worst vacation ever. <laughs> I'm like, California, like, doing it right. (laughs) Yeah. So then John goes to visit Jane in her cell to find out her side of the story. And she's like, well, I thought he was my, you know, date. I was told by my boss that he'd find me at the pool. And John's like, so you are a prostitute? And Jane's like, no, I work for an escort service. I go on dates for money, but I don't, you know... And John says, well, according to the hotel, they filed some complaints about hookers hanging out at the ho- at the pool. And Jane says, well, I am just an escort. I thought he was a weirdo guy who, you know, liked disco. And John's like, oh, so you didn't even really like him. And Jane's like, well, actually, I kind of did. But I wasn't about to sleep with him. And Jane's arraignment is tomorrow morning as well. So she asked John if he could represent her. And John asks 
if she'd be willing to flip on her boss because he thinks they're trying to obviously trying to crack this escort service. So if Jane can give the names of who she works for, he thinks they probably let her go. And Jane's like, oh, but I'd lose my job. And John just goes, Jane, how old are you? And she says, I'm 22. And John's like, well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say you could do better than being a cool girl. And Jane says frustratedly, I'm not a cool girl. I am an escort. There's a difference. And without my agent paying for my headshots and my demo reels, I'm not going anywhere as an actress. And John's like, wait, it's your agent sending you out on these escorts? And Jane's like, well, I've only been here six months, okay? I have to start at the bottom. And John's like, okay, if you can tell the court that there was no agreement for sex, no exchange of money. And Jane's like, well, there wasn't. And John's like, well, I'll I'll represent you then. That's fine. So aside from the liberal sprinkling of derogatory terms for sex workers, John's trying to do a good thing here. Yeah. I didn't mean... quite get this thing about <laughs> saying her agent is involved and he's sending her out on these yeah. escorts. I was like, right, I, don't get me wrong. I know there's some dodgy shit going down. In, it's in, a dodgy in, agent. Yeah, in LA, Hollywood industry. But I was like, yeah, this is a, this is a full-on dodgy criminal This like, is a dodgy enterprise. agent yeah. that is saying that in order to pay for like the headshots yeah. and the demo reels that she needs in order to land auditions, she needs to pay for them by doing these jobs for mm. him, which are escort services, which is absolute bullshit. Yes. She doesn't need to do that. Yes. She can find a different agent. But she's young. She's only been there six months. She thinks everybody needs to, you know, this is what pay their dues do in this it. way. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. I know. Unpleasant. So later that evening I mean she she thinks Richard's nice for God's sake like she's clearly very nice I dread to think what this girl has come from like be like wow what a great guy when she meets Richard there's a really dark spin-off involving (laughs) Jane Wilco I think that we could follow here this is it (laughs) poor girl so Later that evening, John's met up with Cassandra again at the hotel bar and they're having a drink and she asks if he thinks Richard is innocent and John's like, oh, I think they both are. She's not a prostitute and he didn't hire one. Yeah, I think I can beat it. And Cassandra smiles and says, thanks for asking her for a drink. And John's like, no, thank you. I'm in a strange city. I don't know anybody. My travel mate's in jail, so cheers. (laughs) And they like clink glasses and talk more. Um, And John asks, if she lives here in the hotel and she says oh no she's just here while her apartment's being painted um and then she sort of says a bit sadly that she's had to scale down a little bit because of this whole like divorce alimony situation and then john then says i don't know the history of your case but i believe that that prenup can be challenged and cassandra is like i don't know john the language is pretty clear and technically i did go to bed with a man and john's like yeah but there may not technically be such a thing as civil entrapment, but technically it's because nobody's ever tried it. I'd be happy to take a whack at you. And then he chokes and snorts on his drink and he realizes what he said and he stammers. And then he corrects himself to take a whack at it. And Cassandra's like, oh, are you a good lover? Bigger, bigger lawyer. <laughs> Which I really loved that like little cheeky. And John was charmed by it too. And they both smile and Cassandra's like, oh, forgive me. My sense of humor is a little naughty. Um, and then she says, are you a good lawyer? And John's like, I'm very good. And Cassandra, who is dripping in innuendo, is like, well then, I'd love you to take a whack at it and John then starts whistling through his nose he has to like hold down both nostrils and apologizes it's like oh John it was all going so well until the nose whistles (laughs) 
So the next day, John is defending Richard and Jane's charges. And he says, firstly, there was no evidence that Jane was anything but a legitimate employee of a legitimate escort service. Certainly women are allowed to keep the company of men for a fee. And the opposing counsel's like, but they were found in his hotel room, almost naked. And John's like, no, they were in bathing suits. They'd just come from the pool. And opposing counsel says, but they were gyrating and grinding. And John's like, they were doing the hustle. Would you stop twisting the facts? Your Honour, this man is a serial fact twister. <laughs> and my favourite line just like... in the episodes. Peter McNichol's delivery as well. Like, it's so, He's so brilliant. Much. Yeah, it's great. And the, the judge is like, yeah, so your second point. And John's like, yeah, second, even if you could establish she was in an illegal enterprise, you can't. But even if you could, there's no evidence of any deal here, any exchange of money, any sex. And the opposition says, well, it was about to happen. Mr. Fish said, I'm loaded and all my money is yours. Just make me happy. <laughs> and John's like, that's your evidence? That's how men propose marriage. And the opposition is like, are you saying he was proposing marriage? And Richard gets up to go, well, and John just pushes him back down, going, pipe down, Richard. He says, Your Honour, why were they tailing this woman? Where's the informant? Where was the warrant to charge in? Where is the evidence that any crime was committed? And the judge interrupts and is like, I have to agree, Mr. Fish, once again, you catch a break, as do you, Ms. Wilco. And he dismisses the charges against both of them. And Richard is like, free at last. <laughs> and Jane's like, thank God. And then she thanks them and wishes that she could pay them somehow. And Richard asks if she knows where they could find Cindy Margulies. Um, and John's like, uh, explains to a confused Jane that Richard wants to broaden himself culturally because Cindy is a glamour model, if you didn't know that. She played uh, one of the fembots in Austin Powers. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so Jane says, well, I can't help you there. But if you want something cultural, cue another LA montage LA set to montage. round, round, get around, I, I get, get around. Yeah. By the way, um, there's nothing cultural about rollerblading. <laughs> yeah. No. So, so to say thank you, Jane is taking them on a tour of quote unquote real LA culture. So we see John and Richard go rollerblading along the beach badly, crashing into like the vendors Stools. along the strip. Um, and then they go climbing at an amusement park. Um, and they're kind of, you see this shot of them like pouring water on themselves, all sweaty, only for the shot to pull back to show they're like two feet off the ground as Jane stands there shaking her head. And finally, they ride um, some bumper cars, which John absolutely apparently cannot control. <laughs> Later, they're like eating some food al fresco, and Richard is asking Jane about their interaction before, asking if it was all business going to his room. And Jane's like, Well, I thought you were funny. And Richard's like, Funny amusing, funny laugh at me, funny strange. And Jane says all of the above. And Richard's like, And you don't really like the hustle. And Jane's like, No, that I actually do like. And it wasn't that I didn't like you, by the way. I'm not about to go to a man's hotel room. Um, and Richard goes, oh, unless you're paid. And Jane's like, hey, don't start. I'm an escort, but I've never, ever had sex for money and I never will. And John advises her that she really does just need to leave this agent because he's clearly not legitimate or looking out for her best interests if he's sending her out as an escort. And Jane says, doubtfully, um, that she kind of signed a contract. Um, so that means that she's exclusive to him for two years. But Richard's like, well, what if we got you out on that? Out of that, even. Um, and Jane's like, 
oh, but you guys are on vacation. And John's like, well, I'm already doing some business with another woman. So, and Richard's like, who? And they start bickering over why Richard doesn't know her. And Jane's like, hey guys, like I'm still here. And Richard says, well, if I can get you out of your contract, will you hustle with me one more time? And Jane's like, I'm not exchanging sex for any favor. And Richard says, oh no, I'm saying the dance. And Jane says, well, I'd dance with you anyway. What do you think about that? And Richard goes all bashful and we cut to... Oh. Hang on. A conference room. <laughs> I just want to... I just want to... I think it's really... Uh, this really... This whole conversation with... with um, Where... Jane is her name, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, where, Jane Wilco. Yes. She keeps like... There's this really heavy emphasis on like... I don't do sex for money. I don't do sex for money. Yeah. Please yeah, remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do sex for money. Ever, ever, ever. Sex for Never, money. Ever, ever will I. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I feel like that's such a uh, yeah. thing of that time to be like, yeah. oh, you're allowed to like this woman because she's she doesn't do that she 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 doesn't i do sex work but not the sex sex work yeah the other no, type no, of sex the, work the, the company good, sex work the, the the acceptable kind of sex work yeah. like high class yeah, yeah like the the you know um I, I, i'm well she uh, says she, company she work just literally <laughs> just goes on dates with people yeah without the, without the sex it's like i choose to have the sex that comes for free. Yeah, I, I think it's a really <laughs> kind of, um, I think it's really, uh, uh, like, that was a real thing at that time, was you mm-hmm. were a, a way of talking about sex workers, but... Oh, well, that's okay, then, if you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah of being like, let's have an empathetic sex worker and the way will make her empathetic is she doesn't do proper, like... She's got morals. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> She's an ethical sex worker. She's got a line that she will not cross. Yeah, yeah, because she respects herself. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and it is just yeah. really... Uh, yeah, very strange. She's not being sullied, guys. You can still yeah, fall in love with her. Still, yeah, you can still think she's a good person. Like, uh, it's just, yeah, it's very of that time. That happened a lot yeah. in TV and movies at that time. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, So next we're in a conference room in a law firm downtown and John's there with Cassandra and her husband and his lawyer, who's called Mr. Bork, um, in uh, the room. And then Mr. Bork says, "Um, the language couldn't be more explicit. If she's unfaithful, she forfeits all rights to community property, save for $100,000. And Richard's like, yes, I read the agreement, Mr. Bork. And Mr. Bork comes back saying, and did you read the definition of infidelity? any sexual contact she slept with another man and john's like well now if i'm not mistaken your client had three affairs one with a woman and mr bork is like the prenup doesn't speak to my client's conduct it only refers to hers and cassandra's husband then patronizingly is like why are you doing this cassandra (laughs) she's like to bust your ass but do i need a reason and i was like woohoo cassandra (laughs) and then her husband's lawyer goes Now, I don't mean to be personal, Mr. Cage, but this is what is wrong with the practice of law these days. It's not about justice. 
It's not about enforcing right. It's about baseless prosecutions. It's about attorneys going after what they think they can get with no regard for law, nor letter, nor spirit of the contract. Here we have an explicit, bargained-for legal agreement which clearly lays out the rights and remedies of the parties and you're in here threatening us, I suppose with the big mighty bear of litigation, in the hopes that we'll roll over and give you something to go away. Well, unfortunately for you, sir, you've walked into a den of conscience. I may not be a man of particular fight, but I am one of principle and I'll be damned if I'll sacrifice the integrity of this profession, not to mention the process in the name of expediency. And though my next utterance will carry with it no legal consequence, I am going to utter it just the same when I say to you, shame. <laughs> He's such a pompous oh ass. <laughs> This is another one. This is probably another one of my favourite moments in the episode where you get Bill Conti's going the distance. Yeah, yeah, going the uh, distance. And uh, John, because it's that thing of like, this guy does not know who he's messing with. And John John knows he doesn't know. Yeah, he's just so cool. He like, he pretty much is like, I've got a bit of like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, uh, cracks his knuckles. He like, like, relishes the challenge. He's like, uh, yeah, game, set, match. Like, you no. don't even know. <laughs> like, so yeah, he just takes this deep breath after that performance and just slowly pours some water as we get the bells, as Liam, you said, going the distance. Uh, come on. And he just goes, may I respond? Whatever the definition of infidelity in this document you so revere, I think you would agree that there cannot be infidelity without the existence of fidelity itself. Perhaps you might also concur the concept of fidelity is a bilateral equation. Not only does it take two to tango, but also to trust. And any such trust between your client and mine, Mr. Bork, has long since been fractured by his adulterous behaviour with three different women. Not one, not two, but three. The last of which he was planning to marry after leaving my client. Then he hired as a man to get her to stumble like a cheap episode of Temptation Island. This noble client of yours, as you sit so steeped in principle, Mr. Bork, actually employed a man to seduce his own wife for the sole purpose, and I mean sole as in the cruddy bottom of a gummy shoe, for the sole purpose of interfering in marital relations. Well, that is unclean hands, Mr. Bork. Surely you know the term. It's a legal one. One with unclean hands cannot take advantage of a situation rendered by those hands. I will vitiate that prenuptial contract as sure as I'm sitting here. I will break that agreement. If I don't do it with a judge, I'll go to a jury. And you consider that prospect, sir. I'd like you to your client to consider it as well. The jurors will look at you. They will look at her. And who do you think they're going to like more? Now, let me conclude before I walk out of here in all my shame by saying one thing to you, sir. And I'll say it three times for emphasis. I will get you. I will get you. I will get you. <laughs> Why, Mr. Attorney of Principle? Because it's in my baseless little character. Let's go, Cassandra. <laughs> and everyone is just in awe at which Witnessing the majesty that is John Cage on a motherfucking roll, mic and drop. they walk out of it. <laughs> it is an absolute mic drop moment. It's really great. So good. So, cut to nighttime as the dulcet tones of none other than Anna fucking Stasia ring Anna out over the LA skyline. Yeah, she's singing I'm Out of Love. Such a tune. So of this time yeah. as well. Like I was really right back there. <laughs> I was like singing along. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. 
So she's singing um, live at a club where Jane and Richard are having a dance. And Jane's like, you okay, old man? Don't want you to get culture shock. And Richard's like, are you kidding? This is just like Boston. Look at these girls. And he like twirls around in his like predatory element. I guess. <laughs> and Jane's like, oh, they remind you of Boston? And Richard's like, well, add 15 pounds and a mustache. And I think I was home. And I was like, ugh, why, right. Richard? Why is Richard... <laughs> Um, and Jane giggles and is like, well, if you want to hustle, we can go someplace older. And Richard's like, oh, we can do the hustle right here. These kids don't know it. They'll think it's new. Leader leads the follower followers. Fishism. And Jane just goes, you Tarzan. And then Richard announces to the women that are like in the vicinity. Oh, we've got something new, uh, girls. Give us some space, would you? And, and watch and join in if you can. And then he turns to Jane and is like, you have to make it happen. And they start doing the hustle as everyone apparently gradually thinks this is cool and joins in until the whole dance floor is doing it. As Anastasia, to her credit, doesn't skip a beat and finishes yeah, off the song at this like, weird The show spectacle. must go on. <laughs> why she didn't call security. This is such an old white guy fantasy. Yes. This moment is complete buzz. That bit where he turns around it's just like the, the idea that everyone there would actually follow him. And, and not just be like, whatever. Yeah, like when He's like, clear like when he's saying like clear the space, I was like, this seems like something that would happen in the in betweeners or something like. Whereas like, actually, one would do that and then fall flat on their ass and get horrendously embarrassed. That would have been a better, yeah, yeah like better joke storyline. Yeah, it's just yeah, completely unbelievable that it's this just, would happen. No, it is just so. It is like. It is such, like you say, like uh, an old man fantasy, and I was just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to a club with a young, hot blonde who will inexplicably find me attractive, and then I'll teach the club full of other young, hot things to dance my lame middle-aged dance, and they'll all think <laughs> I'm super cool." He's just like, like, "Hey kids, we got something new for you." It's <laughs> 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 <Yes>, like. <laughs> And just yeah. like you not you might not be able to keep up now, but your kids are gonna love it. <laughs> it is absolutely just so like it is pure, pure like middle-aged man fantasy. Just completely so funny. ridiculous. It's like try and keep up yeah. with my moves, kids. Yeah, like, yeah. it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like it's like in reality, they would just like look him up and down in disgust and be like Whatever, I'm um, getting away but from it's so me. Funny I'm trying because to he's watch like, Anastasia. <laughs> like, <laughs> but he also says, watch and join in if you can. Like, it's <laughs> not rocket science. The easiest it's a fucking hustle. In the world. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, they've been really struggling to do this two step. Wait, what? <laughs> what? You step that way and then the other way? Oh my god. Slow down. Blowing my mind. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised someone didn't glass him, to be honest. Like, <laughs> Hey, it's Anastasia's playing. It's a classy joint. Oh my god, it's just it's yeah, like so funny. Is this the only time Anastasia appears in the show? Yeah, I was like convinced for some reason that she had like a whole arc <laughs> I think it was just that time in season four and five Annie Mill they literally have like wild 
random they guest threw everything on the wall to see what was yeah, yeah every week there's always <laughs> random people turning up you're like what are they doing here like, are they, like literally, it always just makes me think of extras just like Coldplay what are you doing here it's mental like, <laughs> true very true oh my god no I'm just looking up to double check I'm pretty sure she doesn't do anything else no just day yeah, man for average know. for about 50 episodes yeah <laughs> yeah so, back at the hotel that evening, John and Cassandra sat on a balcony having a drink. Um, uh, I think it's John's balcony, actually. Mm. And Cassandra's saying, oh, I still can't get over what... Of all the lawyers in Boston like you? And John says, well, of all the California lawyers like Mr. Bork? What about yours? I'm surprised he didn't challenge the validity of that prenup. And Cassandra then admits that she didn't actually consult an attorney. And John is shocked. And she's like, John, I did have an affair. However it came to happen, it did happen. And John says, well, how did it come to happen? And she says, oh, well, it was silly, really. He wasn't even terribly attracted. Sorry. It was silly, really. I wasn't even terribly attracted to the man. He just seemed like a nice guy. Gentle. And after what my husband had done to me with his infidelity... I think I was just desperate to believe the world could still offer me a nice, gentle and honest man. And then she looks at John, who is looking pensive, and she says, she hurt you, didn't she, this Melanie? And John tries to brush it off and sort of somewhat keep it light because he's like, oh, I, well, I love her, yeah. And Cassandra says, well, I'm grateful to her for driving you to California for a few days. I'm glad I got to meet you. And then she asks John to dance with her and says that they can put some music on in on the CD player in the room. And John sort of looks a bit like, unsure. And Cassandra's like, well, it's pretty cold back in Boston. It'd be nice to get in one dance under the Los Angeles lights. And John's like, sure. And he gets up to put on a song and he puts on What a Difference a Day Makes by Tony Bennett and asks if that's acceptable. And Cassandra says, it's perfect. And they start dancing on the balcony and they're sort of resting their heads on each other's shoulders. And John says, I guess it can get pretty cold in Los Angeles too, can't it? And Cassandra just goes, sometimes. And they sort of just dance close together. It's Tony Bennett, those guys. Um, So the next morning, (laughs) Richard is sat on the edge of the pool in like full wetsuit gear with Jane. Um, Clearly... Uh, doing some form of scuba diving lesson. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He's breathing into his mouthpiece and Jane seems to be teaching him how to do it because she's saying the main thing to remember is nice rhythmic breathing. And then Richard takes his breather away and he's like, what about sharks? And Jane's like, well, you're in the pool now, so I don't think you need to worry about that. (laughs) And Richard says, oh, I think John's feeling left out. And Jane's like, why? And Richard's like, well, he just has that body language. I know it. And then the camera pans to John who's like fully wet suited up and sat at the bottom of the pool cross-legged with his head in his hands looking <laughs> glass. very good visual gag I yeah i like very that. good visual I like gag i enjoyed that so later when john and cassandra have gone back to mr bork's office um they're waiting in reception and cassandra's pointing out that john's lips are blue and john's like well the water was cold you'd think they heat their pool and cassandra's like no but they're really blue and john's like my chill it's usually to the bone And then Cassandra leans over and gives him a kiss and cheekily says, oh, I've been told I have very warm lips. And then she's like, 
<laughs> breathed on his Which lips. Which I was like, and John's... your lips at your breath. <laughs> no, exactly. And then John's a bit taken aback and she goes, oh, sorry, my naughty sense of humour again. And at this point, Mr. Bork comes out and says, against his better judgment and also against his principle, his client is willing to pay $3 million, mainly because he cares for Cassandra. And he says it's non-negotiable and the offer's good for today and that his advice is that she takes it and runs. Um, and John says, is said advice the product of your better judgment or your time-tested scruples? Yeah. And Mr. Bork is like, you want to test this, Mr. Cage? How's your malpractice insurance? And then John asks Mr. Bork to excuse them so that he and Cassandra can discuss this kind-hearted offer. Um, and once Mr. Bork's gone, Cassandra is buzzing that she's gone from 100k to 3 million. But John, not so much, because he's like, it's a nice bump, Cassandra. But if he's claiming a net worth of 12 million, my suspicion is it's closer to 15. Now, if we vitiate the prenup, which I think is very possible, you could be entitled to upwards of 7 million. But Cassandra isn't keen. She says, oh, that'll mean an audit and litigation. I don't want to go through all of that. $3 million would allow me to keep my art studio. And it's more than I'd know what to do with. And John's like, in Los Angeles? And Cassandra's like, just settle. And John throws up his hands, but he knows he she, he knows that she deserves like her payday. So he's like, I can definitely get more because he says, all right, what I want you to do is to get up, walk out of the room in a rage and just keep on walking. I'm going to tell Mr. Bork that you're offended by the low ball. Now, I think I can chip it up some. If I can't, I will settle for the three, but just go on, go on, keep going and don't look back. And so Cassandra puts on her like mad face and gets <laughs> up and leaves as Mr. Bork comes in and John's just got his head in his hands and is sighing. Yes, yes. Good so we don't, see, we don't see John do any of that because we go back to see Richard and Jane so they've gone off to meet with her agent slash pimp to get Jane out of her contract um and Richard goes listen Frankie can I call you Frankie because I feel a brotherhood here here's the thing I don't want to stand up and thump my chest about the law first because I know you don't abide by it and second because Jane likes you she says you've been good to her like a father figure and Frankie's like I have been I get her jobs I look out for her and Richard's like, well, yes, you do. But sometimes, Frankie, the key to parenting is knowing when not to. Fishism. What I'd like to do here is help Jane fly. Let her spread her wings, if you will, which I know you want. It's time for her to move up, to go to a different agency. One of those niche places that don't rent clients as escorts. I say this for Jane, Frankie. I say it for you. But mainly, I say it for money. Whatever she makes as a legitimate actress, 2% goes to you. She'll agree to that right now. Think of that. CAA goes out, finds her jobs, big jobs maybe. You get 2%. And Jane is like, Frankie, please, it's time for me to be a real actress now. I could have given you up to the police. I didn't. And Frankie's like, I never asked you to do anything illegal. Not ever. And Jane's like, I know that. And I appreciate it. Believe me. Please. And Frankie looks over at Richard, who's, <laughs> who's picked up one of Frankie's cigars and just like lit it and says... 3% and tickets to the Golden Globes if you ever get nominated. And Jane stands up and says, wait, and a hug to say thank you. Oh <laughs> Frankie my gives God, her a hug. And I'm like, what is this bullshit? Why is Frankie being depicted as if he is a good guy? What? Why is yeah. that? Like, literally, the show is going like, and I'm also oh. like, you've been duped by one creep and then you're being duped again by another because it's just like, well, either what he was doing was against the law 
or it wasn't. So why do you need to cut him in to any... Why can't you just shock yeah. him to the police and then that contract be nil and void? Like, if you're any kind of a lawyer, you should be able to, like... Get... Well, I think the problem is is that it's not illegal to have run an escort service, but it is, like, questionable in terms of her welfare. But it is just... But he said, like... Uh, like Richard said something about oh we know you don't respect the law or something like that um, yeah none of it makes any sense it doesn't make any sense it's like well either he's breaking the law and no, he doesn't have any legal hold over well, her no, so I think I think I don't I think that's just like a general term to just just allude to the fact that he's skirting the boundaries of what is <sighs> but... ethically legally because because Running an escort service is not against the no, law. No, no. But he is ethically and morally like preying on vulnerable young girls to be like, if you want to get famous, yeah. you need to do this. You know what I mean? But Who she wouldn't says, necessarily do that. She says, I could shot you to the I, I could have shot you to the police. And it's and like, well, no, presumably not. Because the whole reason John was able to get you off was because... It literally, you weren't, uh, you weren't no, a sex worker. You there were... was suspicion, but there was suspicion about um, his escort business by the police. That's why they were being tailed, right. Right? right? The hotel didn't like it happening. And so she was being asked by John, like, they're obviously interested in, like, cracking this escort business and seeing what's under the surface. Is it legit or is there something else going on that they we don't know about? Um and so she could have turned his name in, regardless of whether it was illegal or not. Like, you don't really want the police. It's not great for your business to have the police, like, sniffing around. And I'd imagine that he probably has loads of other stuff that he does that isn't necessarily on the up and up. Do you so know what I mean? just be like, let me out of this contract or I'm going to the police. Yeah, it's all like, very bizarre. I'm yeah. not giving you shit because you've taken advantage of my youth oh, and see. naivety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I should not have to be siphoning off my own money to money. this fucking yeah. for the rest of my life. Yeah, like, he's yeah. getting 3%. If she ends up like a Hollywood A-lister, like who's getting like, you know, like 20 million per picture, like that's a big payday. Ultimately, him, Richard is like, not done her any fucking favours no. at all. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Well, I mean, when does Richard ever do anyone any No, favors? well, it's just the way it's like, oh, what a... <laughs> What a ally for women's rights Richard is getting her out of her shitty life. I just can't believe that she gave him a hug yeah. after yeah. that. Thanks for letting me go. But to be like, fair, Richard does stiff him because he says he'll get tickets to the Golden Globes, not the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, God. So, well, what a busman's holiday this has turned out to be because <laughs> Richard and John are then packing up to go home and Richard says, oh, congrats for getting Cassandra her... Well, he got her 4.2 million um, oh. and asks what Cassandra said and John says, well, she was thrilled and then Richard turns to John and says, John, are we workaholics? A two-day vacation and we practice law? And John's like, well, at least you learned to scuba dive. You totally hogged the instructor. And then there's a knock on the door and Jane's come to say goodbye and to say thank you. And she says, it's a little scary being jobless at the moment, but I'll make it happen. Fishism. Um, and John sort of finds that funny and then says he'll go and finish packing to give them some space. And <laughs> Richard at one point is awkwardly like about to follow John. And then he's like, oh, no, I'll, I'll stay because he realizes that Jane wants to talk to 
time. And Jane asks if he can stay one more day because there's a party tonight and she'd really like Richard to meet some of her friends. And Richard says, I can't. I'd be afraid to stay one more day. And Jane says, oh, you're a sweet, funny man, Richard. And Richard goes, what, funny? Strange funny, as in, and she says, all of the above. She says, I'll miss you. And she steps closer to him. Oh, and God, she, he says softly. I know. Five minutes. And now he's yeah. someone you're really going to miss. <laughs> yeah. And he says softly that he'll miss her too. And he says, Can I take one more picture of you before we go and naked? And Jane's like, If you want to see me naked, you're going to have to stay a few more days. <laughs> and Richard step, takes a step back from her and says, Look, you're an actress in Los Angeles and I'm a lawyer in Boston. I think the best thing for me to do now is to get on that plane. And Jane nods and asks if she can walk him down to the car. And he's like, sure. So Jane is walking John and Richard down to uh, the car and saying that two days isn't a vacation. They need to come back. And Richard's like, well, maybe we'll open a branch office. Um, And she's like, yeah, good idea. And then they bump into Cassandra, who John is surprised to see. And he introduces her to Richard and Jane. Um, Richard immediately like introduces himself as Richard Wattle and like reaches over to do his like little greys um, and John sort of tells him off and Cassandra is a bit weirded out and then sort of goes oh I've come to give you something and she's come with like this little memento from her art studio it's a painting called Gentle Soul and she says the artist is unknown but it made her think of John and John's really touched and says, oh, it's beautiful. And she says, oh, are you leaving? And John says, yeah, the plane leaves in and checks his watch. And he goes, oh, 40 minutes. And I was like, 40 <laughs> minutes? Why the fuck are you not at the airport? <laughs> They're boarding now. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, oh, so Cassandra like quickly pulls him away from Richard and Jane to say thank you for everything. And John says kind of like fondly, oh, Cassandra, it was my pleasure and she says, well, thank you mainly for the hope. Would you mind terribly if I gave you a kiss goodbye? And John says sort of bashfully, oh, well, I suppose if you must. <laughs> and they have a kiss. And Jane and Richard are watching them. And Richard goes, oh, that's nice, isn't it? And Jane's like, yeah, it is. And then they turn to say their goodbyes. And she says, oh, will you at least keep in touch? And Richard says, well, next time, will you teach me how to surf? And they laugh and have a hug. And Cassandra and John hug. And then the foursome come out arm in arm to escort the guys to their limo again, sure, (laughs) to wave them off as they go to the airport. And then in the limo, Richard turns to John and says, you know what? That was fun, huh, buddy? It was good to get away. And I was like, episode title, Clacton. <laughs> and he like punches John's thigh lightly. And John replies, indeed. And he punches Richard's thigh in return. And ta-da! And, they go and to Jane Boston. And, and Cassandra look wistfully as... <laughs> yeah, as, as the limo drives absolute, out of the driveway. You know, uh, dream boats. Dream boats leave their lives. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's what happened. Well, and I don't think that they'll be leaving Jane's life for too long because I think no. she comes back. Oh, she really? comes back, yeah. Uh, that's not the last we see of Jane. Poor Jane. Like, I really, poor Jane. you know, her life must be pretty fucking dire to, for well, Richard yeah. to be a huge improvement. <laughs> Right. Does the other one get away? 
clean? Does she ever come back? Or is she? Oh, let me have a look. I have no idea. I, I'll, I'll have a look. Hang While on. While you're looking, uh... I was going to say another reason why I thought uh, this might have been a backdoor pilot for like a Rich and John spin-off is because of that yeah. line where they say, oh, maybe we'll open a branch in LA. Like, it seems uh, to be yeah. like a yes. thing. And yeah. also, of course, the show that David E. Kelly did, show ran after Animal Bill, was Boston Legal, um, yeah. which centres around uh, William Shatner and James Spader running a law firm in Boston. And in that, the two main characters are the two male partners of the firm. Yeah. So literally they are the Richard oh, John of their firm. And also it is another show that is set in the Alan McBeal verse because James Spader was in the practice as well, which did the crossover Alan uh, So it's all set in the same world. So literally yeah. that, I was like, oh, maybe at some point he was going... I'll Maybe do a Richard and John spin-off spin where they have a new firm in, in LA. LA kind of thing, and they're the kind of things like and then he went at the last minute, oh no, actually, I'm gonna do a new show that is tangentially connected, but it's essentially a new thing, but with two because those two characters as well in Boston Legal, I think are meant to be similarly kind of uh I think William Shatner's character is meant to be very kind of deliberately problematic, kind of all like kind of very, Fish, yeah, like. a bit Richard Fishy. So literally, yeah, <laughs> we will of course be talking about Boston Legal at some point on Spotlight, my own podcast, uh, because yes. of William mm. Shatner uh, is is the main character yeah. along with James Bader. So yes, yes. Uh, at some point on our on screen section where we look at kind of TV other TV shows. Uh, with Star Trek people in it, we'll definitely be doing an episode of Boston Legal. Boston Legal, yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, so, uh, after all that, Cassandra, we do see Cassandra again later oh, wow. this season. So, oh, we yeah. do? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes more I sense to that. than Jane, because they had an actual genuine connection. Yes, I like their uh, connection John. more yeah. with John than Jane I did. with Richard, yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. That was that was their vacation episode. Oh, what did you think? Well, why? <laughs> it's nice to get away, isn't it? No. <laughs> I mean, it's a very yeah. It's it's a real outlier of an episode. I remember thinking that even when I originally watched it uh, back in the day. In terms of, I remember it's an episode that sounds more fun in concept than it is in execution. Like, the idea of John and Richard going off to L.A. for a kind of holiday episode sounds sort of like it might be a bit of a laugh, and then you see it and you're like, oh, no, it isn't really. <laughs> well, I feel like oh, no. it's like David E. Kelly looked at season four and was like, you know what we haven't had enough of? Like, Richard being a complete Richard and ass. John. Like, <laughs> yeah. We haven't had enough Richard being... An offensive dickhead. Like to be fair to John, I think this is a good episode for him. Yeah, I think yeah. Not only Peter McNichol, I think, is very good in this episode and has lots of really good moments. And I think John, in general, although he is enabling Richard yes, by keeping him off, he should let him rot in yes, jail. He um, it, it is essentially <laughs> a lot of it just comes from you know that's he is a good lawyer. Like I think it just shows how good he is. At I getting liked with John, it showcased all the good. All the all the kind of the broad spectrum of what makes him yes. a good character. Yes. So the comedy, yes. his brilliance in the courtroom, but his also his softer side with women and his heart as well. So 
he really got to, you know, all the greatest hits were there for John Cage. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. I think it's a far Whereas better Whereas Richard is a little more like one note, like mm. he's just an ass Can and that's I it. So. just read <laughs> what? the top review for this episode on IMDb? Oh yeah, please. Yeah. Is, this is this is the review. Much better than previous episodes. Funny that John Cage, a Chicago-based lawyer, can represent his partner in an L.A. court. Jane Wilco <laughs> should have had bigger boobs. That what? review was found to be unhelpful by four people. <laughs> but also, he's not a Chicago-based lawyer. He's Boston. <laughs> well, Jesus that would be why four people found his review unhelpful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, award-winning <laughs> criticism from General Twenty Eight. So yeah, well done, everyone. Verdict of the week: The jury's back. So, who wants to go first? I'm giving a guilty to Richard Kelsapreeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, for literally, if you want to know why. You know why. <laughs> I've just seen everything. the entire episode. He is just the worst. And this is just like David E. Kelly. I, I assume he's having fun writing this because I sure as hell did not have fun watching it. Like, he clearly <laughs> loves writing Richard being a complete cunt. Like... <laughs> And it's clearly for his enjoyment only, because I don't think anyone else is getting anything from it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, Liam, what's your verdict? I mean, you know, there's there's a couple of potentials in terms of uh, Jane's husband's pretty bad. Uh, Cassandra's husband. Cassandra's husband is pretty bad. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, like Jane's yeah. husband. Having multiple affairs <laughs> and then setting the whole her new straight stream of a uh, storyline in her spin-off um, about the dark underbelly of and LA. Then setting her up to have another affair. But the thing is, he doesn't really. We don't really get. To, he says I has a lot of one lines stuff like that. Apart yeah. from his yeah. actions, we don't really know much about him. His lawyer is also a dick, but essentially, yeah. it's like he's his lawyer. That's his job. Everything yeah. that he's he's trying to get one over on them. And obviously, uh, Jane's uh, boss or agent or pimp or whatever the hell he is, is also pretty manipulative as well. But of course, the show paints him as if he's not that bad. So I think Mm. Richard's got to get the guilty because he just gives us, he hangs himself so much in this episode. Everything he does is uh, like, even, even saving Jane essentially from her uh old boss the way he does it is shit in terms of i don't like when he tells her he's like oh i sense a brotherhood with you what with this guy who's been manipulating oh i guess that's why yeah yeah Yeah, exactly yeah it does fit um you know and he actually gets her a really bad deal essentially (laughs) uh so he doesn't do good lawyering at all no no when did he ever He's misogynist. He just he's just awful in this episode. So I think, yeah, I think this episode, while it shows off a lot of John's good traits, it exemplifies all of Russia's bad ones. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's not fun yeah. to watch. 
No. So I'm going a little different with my verdict Ooh. because you guys, I did want to give one to both John and Richard, but actually for the infraction that I'm going to talk about, I think it's probably more on John's plate. So I'm going to give John a guilty, Ooh. right? You do not give someone, because it was his decision to do that, to give Ali a stretch opportunity at work to act as senior partner and then spend the entire time using them as your personal, like, fixer personal assistant for getting you out of your legal messes on your holiday. Like, what the fuck? Like, all she did was sit by the phone waiting for them to call about their latest mishap so that she could come and clean it up. Like, that's not what she was there to do. So that's just shit bossing. This woman is work shy enough as it is. You don't need to be giving her your fucking crap from vacation it's like not even work related it's completely personal like you've got yourself into this mess your employees are not there to dig you out no, of it no no absolutely so, that's very funny that's my I verdict like <laughs> that's funny so yeah that was a fun fun little interlude in the main storylines of this uh season i think uh and it certainly kind of set hit like a reset on John and Richard's like, you know, path because until now they've both been like very Melanie Ling focused, mm. and now this has kind of shaken things up again. So it'll be interesting to see what happens well, when they get back. It's almost like a reset, like start again, yeah. like back. That's in. what I said. It's yeah. hit the reset button. Oh, yeah. I thought. Sorry, um, I misheard you. <laughs> what did you think I said? I don't know. What I thought you said. <laughs> I just don't listen to you. I just. <laughs> I just zoned out. I just closed my eyes and let it wash over me. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, um, So, thank you. I'm sorry. I know. (laughs) It's a late one. So, I guess all that remains to be said is thanks to Liam for coming on as uh, a guest star yet again. Applause. Um, where can people find you if they so wish? Uh, if you want to hear more of me, um, you can hear me on my own podcast, Spotlight, which I mentioned previously. You can find us at Spotlight yes. Pod on all the social medias, and obviously we're available on all podcast platforms uh, with the Star Trek podcast from a non-Trekkie perspective. So whether you're into Star Trek or not, um, or if you want to get into Star Trek, then we're a great introduction mm. to it. But we also cover a lot of other things. Um, as I explained before, uh, we cover other TV shows as well uh, with a kind of Star Trek connection. And we do the same thing with movies. Uh, so we do Spotlight of the Movies, uh, where we look at a film featuring a member of Star Trek alumni, either in front or behind the camera. Our latest one of that is Muppets Take Manhattan uh, with (laughs) special guests Professor Elemental and Hattie Snooks who came to talk about that film with us uh, which features Gates McFadden in her big big screen debut um, better known as Dr Beverly Crusher from Star Trek Next Generation and she also uh, did the choreography behind the scenes as well um so that was a really really fun chat so any muppets fans come check that out and we've got loads of fun episodes coming up as well and you can hear me occasionally doing uh reviews for or commentating on tv or film on various bbc local radio stations across the country as well yeah so all you muppets and yeah (laughs) 
So yeah, and you can obviously, if you've got anything to say about this episode, did you love seeing Richard and John get away, or were you like, just take me back to cold, <laughs> snowy Boston? Do you think um, let us Boots know. Do <laughs> you? Yeah, let us know. We are on Twitter at Bygones Podcast. We're on Facebook at Bygones Podcast. We're on Instagram at Bygones Pod, or you can email us at Bygones Podcast at Gmail so until next time bye god bye god i'm my love.